Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I kind of draw the line at poop. That's not helpful. Yes. <laughs> You're funky, man. What's up? What's up, everyone? What's up? Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we're back. It's Monday. It's, it's, it's just a brand new day, man. It's beautiful out here in San Diego right now. Oceanside, California. The rain happened over the weekend. So the air is clean. No more Rona's in the air. <laughs> um, you know, and we're just here and we're just, we're just thrilled, Phil. Well, we're just, yeah. I mean, just really happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Beside ourselves. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So uh welcome to the Drum Brigade Podcast. I'm Corey Kingston. I'm just here and like I said, just top I'm in top form, okay? I'm in top form. Mm-hmm. Um just this freaking healthy as can be. I mean, just loving the weather. I'm just centered. You know what I'm saying? I'm just yeah. Yeah, give it up for me. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Corey Kingston here, the Beat Locker, beautiful Pimp City, Oceanside, California. Um, over there, still in Phil's castle, building a studio, putting stucco up, farming chickens, all that stuff. Family locked in a basement, locked. When I say locked, they're forbidden to come out and make noise. <laughs> it's the one, the only fantastic funky Phil Pardell. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. What's up, Funky Phil? How are you? I'm good. Yeah. So you don't so you don't have the Ronas, right? I don't. No, I'm good. Okay, because last week you were like, I'm getting a little bit of a sore throat. You're like, <clears throat> like <laughs> I'm like, don't come in the studio, just stay home. Yeah. Do this thing on Zoom and I'll keep sounding like a robot. It's better to play it safe, right? Yes. Yeah, definitely. I already lost an uncle. I have four friends, one student that has it. Four friends that have it. And they are like sick, like sick as a dog Oof. right now. So, um, and the, yeah, numbers are going up, man. So, but you know, it is what it is. Um, as as the president said, it is what it is. Uh, but I heard this morning that they're like they're like they might have a vaccine, they might have one. So they, it sounds promising, but I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm going to take it, Phil. I don't know. We'll, just, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. What? <laughs> <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when it comes, Phil. I don't know. I don't know about it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, this is not a political show, so we shouldn't talk about that, but. I did hear on the news that there is a company that made a, a vaccine. And so they're get, trying to get it approved and all that stuff. So we might be playing gigs soon, Phil. Like real ones. Festivals. Real yeah. We might be gathering large groups. Nice. <laughs> uh, it's the Drum Brigade podcast. Um, we have a bunch of things, a bunch of provisions for you. One, our Patreon. We have exclusive content on there. Uh, you can check that out. Or you could just not care like you've been doing. Okay, people? <laughs> I, I I get so catty when it comes to the Patreon. I'm sorry, but like, uh, yeah, we do have a Patreon. 
uh, exclusive content, lesson content, all kinds of stuff like that. Phil is building a cat, building a, a side castle in his house. It's a studio castle. Yeah. And, um, he's just going to record exclusive Patreon content every day. In there. <laughs> so yeah. And like, you're going to be missing out because you haven't signed up. You have to get in now. Cause as soon as the studio castle is built, we draw the line and then you can't get in Patreon anymore. <laughs> so if you get in now, then you can get all that beautiful content that funky Phil is making. <laughs> um, we have a lesson program. Uh, I'm man. I'm like, I'm not signing in lessons like hotcakes, but lesson, like I'm getting some inquiries, like, like never before people want to learn how to play drums and people are loving the idea of doing it remotely. Like I have people from like different parts of the world and stuff in this country that are like, I'm like, yeah, you can just come in studio. And they're like, yeah, well, I live in Palm Springs. So I'm like, oh, yeah, then you'll probably want to do it remotely. So you have a remote. You were just playing your drums on your live remote setup. It sounds like studio quality drums. Oh, sweet. Thanks. And not only that, when they take lessons with you, you send them microphones and stuff so that they sound like they're in the studio. <laughs> I wish I could do that. Good uh, golly! <laughs> no, we just so you're not you're not you're not bringing anybody in your house yet. You're no. just doing all remote. No one's allowed in Phil's castle right now. Yeah, not even me. I came and I was like, I'm not going to go in because you have little kids mm-hmm. and you know chickens. Yeah, stuff. I had a whole thing of eggs ready to throw at you if you tried. <laughs> um, so anyways, um, yeah, check out our lesson program. It's just on drumbrigade.com. Our merch, our merch, our merch. Our merch is the dopest stuff. We've hit like kind of a lull because we are not, we haven't been promoting our merch very much. But I think um, I need to order a sweatshirt. It's getting it's yeah. getting cold out for San Diego. It's like, I'm wearing a sweatshirt from my band right now that I haven't played in in years. It's been broken up for like three or four years. We did do a, a COVID yeah. video, but um, I and so yeah, I could use I could use um a drum brigade sweatshirt. I want to order one. I need to order two. So well, we'll see. See, even we have to order them though. We can't just like go in the back shed and grab one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, guys, if you guys want to see the like dopest merch out there, just check out our merch store. Also on drumbrigade.com, you can get a link to it. Um. Use a contact form to um, hang out with us and and uh, ask questions, ask, give remarks, you know, whatever. Uh, like and subscribe, all that stuff. Um, this week, we have a different format for the show because our guests could not come on today. So we're not going to sit here and pretend like we're going to have a guest on and then we're going to like put his segment in. This is going to be recorded after the show, our, our guest. So... Um, but we will have a guest that will be part of this episode. Uh, hold on one second, Funky Phil. Uh, so our guest this week is Tyler Zarzika. Tyler Zarzika. Um, Tyler plays with Noah Cyrus, Charlie Puth, AJ McLean. Um, he was also a drum tech for Usher, the Chainsmokers, Demi Lovato, graduated from Musicians Institute, all that stuff. So we're going to chat it up with him, but not today. It's going to be recorded at a later date, which means the show is not going to be coming out tomorrow. It's going to be coming out later this week. And um, yeah, so anyways, we're going to do it, though. We're going to put him in. We're going to just import him like right in as if it's not going to like Phil is such a good editor and and 
and like producer that you're not even going to know it's on different days. So <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just going to import that and like, and it's going to be good. Now I hope he comes on. I like, I just gave him an intro. So if he doesn't come on, then it's like, and welcome to the show, Kevin Aguchi. And it's like, wait a minute, what happened? <laughs> um, all right. So yeah, that's that. Let's get into it. Funky Phil. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that coffee's good. Coffee is good, man. Yeah. Oh, it's great to be here, Funky Phil. It's really great to be here. It is. You know, I I had a crazy busy, crazy busy week. Crazy busy week. Dropped an album this week, Funky Phil. Last week, dropped an album. Yeah. Deserves a full applause. Thank you. Thank you. Dude, it is uh it's something else putting out your own album, Funky Phil. You gotta do it, man. It's a lot of work, but I've said this many a time. Funky Phil needs like a funk album, dude. Like you need like a dap tone a dap king's like kind of dap tone album of just funky Phil-ness. Yeah. Maybe when my studio's done, I'll get into that. Yeah. And like I, I'm hearing like horns and organ, like an or like a B three, and just funky Phil just playing like deep funk stuff. Yeah, pin, the, pin the tail on the funky. Yeah, that might be the album cover. <laughs> I might be the album, the name of it. Um, it's a big, it's maybe the biggest accomplishment in my career. You know, like putting out my own album and having some help with from friends. Obviously, I didn't you know, make the arrangements and stuff like that. But, and putting something out with my dad is, uh, man, it's crazy. It's crazy. So I'm really excited. Um, we had our album release. I'm just jumping into what I did. I'm not even asking you what you did. You go for it. (laughs) But it's been a crazy week, Phil. It's been, it's been nuts. (laughs) Uh, played our album release party. Yes, sir. Yeah. Enter talk TV. Yeah. Uh, Phil, how was it? You and your whole family were watching. Well. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> well. Don't critique me too hard now. I thought I'd just take over for a moment. I had a splendid week. Um, probably the highlight of my week was was watching your live stream, Corey. Dang, it was a thoroughly enjoyable experience. We watched it on our television. You can wow. see over there. Yeah, yeah. Um, very high quality stuff. Like the all the all the video looked very sharp and and well edited on the spot. Sounded the sound was great. You killed yeah. it. You sounded awesome. Thank you. The whole band band sounded awesome. You guys crushed it my <laughs> we all watched it as a family my children enjoyed it very much really yeah they were they were so pumped and it was fun for them to see you play drums on tv <laughs> milo uh at one point got up and just started playing the congas they like no. steve they like steve haney a lot too yeah most kids like steve yeah and yeah it was cool felix was like 
Who's that guy playing the, the blue congas? <laughs> Which made me proud that he knew what they were called. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. It was a really good show. Thank you. I was very pleased with it. <laughs> and the record is fantastic, too. I've listened to it a couple more times. Felix, Dude, thanks for your post. Felix keeps singing songs from it. It's awesome. Nice. I wish my dad, like, I wish he could meet my dad. So, because, like, my dad's really great with kids, you know? And, um, so thanks, Phil. That's cool, man. You posted, you posted by this album, yep. you know, and that's really cool. Um, that was, uh, like, first of all, let me say that, like, it, like, we, I got to give a shout out to Enter Talk and, um, and, um, that whole, that whole thing. I don't think they were like, they they were definitely well prepared, but I don't think they were expecting what we were, what we are, you know? Yeah. Like we um we kind of we show up and we have like a look, we have a vibe, we have a, a thing, you know, and that's the way I've always wanted. Like if I'm running a band, I want to do it like this, you know, and like so what you're seeing is like that like you know there i try to not leave stones unturned like i want us to look on point i want us to sound on point the only thing i wish is that we could like we we i wish i could rehearse with them like every week but they're all pro guys that you know if i had a million dollars and i could pay them for rehearsals then it would be no no problem but yeah um so i do got to give a shout out to them though to to the guys and to intertalk that they just um yeah, they 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 allowed us to have a proper um, album release, and we wouldn't have been able to do that with the whole COVID thing. Um, we were trying to figure out. I mean, this is for years. We were trying to figure out how are we gonna ha- like we want to have an album release party, but we're not like a, a big famous band, so we can't sell out the belly up. But I would want to do it at a proper place. I wouldn't want to really just do it at a bar you know, and like, we can't really do our show. I feel like we're a a big stage kind of band maybe, or like a festival kind of band, but, um, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's, uh, complicated. Like, so we, we're trying to figure out maybe we could open for another band. Like maybe like Hepcat comes to town or something, they'll throw us on the bill and we can do our album release like at a at house of blues or something. Well then COVID hit. And so we're like, great. Now what do we do? And then we're like, okay, so we have to figure it out. Like maybe we can do, cause we wanted to also invite our, our Indiegogo patrons, whatever, you know, and so COVID happened. So we're like, okay, let's just do it at my studio at Pimp City here. And like, we'll just set up some cameras and we'll try to space everybody out and we'll just do a live stream here. But, you know, our internet isn't the best here. We have the space to do it. And then I'm like, who do I get to film this? You know, there's there one of my buddies that shares the studio space is like, that's what he does. But then it's like, it adds another thing where it's like, okay. I know he'll do it for free, but I still feel bad asking him to do it for free. So maybe we'll just, maybe we'll just have him. We'll just try to come up with some money to pay him. I don't, I don't know, man. And that was just looking like it was going to be more and more complicated. Well, anyways, I played with Lily on Intertalk, and I was like, this would be perfect. And then I was like, our album comes out November 6th. They're like, we have November 5th available. And I'm just like, bro, this is like a match made in heaven. And so we, we did it. And it was 
it was like as good as we could have imagined, you know, it sounded good and everybody played their bollocks off and uh, the solos were killer. And I was really happy with it. Very happy with it. Um, my dad, my dad. I ain't trying to hear that right now. My dad. (laughs) Uh, This wasn't even a planned soapbox. My dad and me have a great relationship. We talk like almost every day, but we also are like kind of like brothers sometimes. Mm-hmm. So we are, we, we, we don't argue a lot, but we kind of do. So this is like, I'm the one that runs this band, you know? And, and then but anyways, my dad did really good for the show. I'm like, you don't, you guys don't know how much me and him have conversations about what to say, what not to say, how to dress, what not to wear don't go up there and get all sentimental and being like, you know, my son, blah, 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 blah. Like you're the front man. You need to be that, you know? And we've had like long conversations on do not go up there and do this. Do go up there and do that. <laughs> my dad gets so caught up in the moment though. He, he want like my dad wants this so bad and he's so like pumped to be in a band. And to be like doing stuff on this level, he's because my dad has followed me around on tour and my dad has shown up to shows, but he's always just my dad. And he's wanted to be on the center of the stage for so long in any of the bands that I played in. But it just doesn't it doesn't work like that. You know, so there's been times where he's like, why don't you guys ever invite me up to sing? And I'm like, because there is a singer already. (laughs) It's like, you know, the Agrolites have a singer or like Suedehead has a singer, you know, and like so he's tried that with the with western standard like why do they ever ask me you know and it's like it's because it's not your band you know it's just it's not the way it works i don't go hey man i can play better than lars so i should be in metallica they have a drummer you know what i mean yeah (laughs) and and i don't mean metallica fans calm down i'm not saying i'm a better drummer than lars okay i'm just saying that as an example even though i am okay (laughs) any moving on um moving on um my dad, this, what the soapbox is about is my dad gets caught up in the moment and then he's, he's, you know, being the star of the show, he's kissing babies and shaking hands and figuratively speaking because of the Ronas. My dad shows up at the studio at like two o'clock and he's like, yeah, man, I just ate. I just had my poke bowl. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, well, you might want to like, you have other food though, right? My dad has a lot of health issues and one of them is he's, he's diabetic. So he has to eat like every two hours. Okay. Um, no, I'll be good, man. I ate already. And I'm like, dad, we don't play until seven. You can't eat at two o'clock and then not eat again until after the show, you know, nine, 10 o'clock. Yeah. You have to bring food and he's, oh, I'm full, man. I'm good. I'm like, Uh-oh. okay, <laughs> bro, we go on, we do the sound check. My dad is like on top of the world. He's just giving it his all in the sound check. Cause there's already some art audience members there, people there, dude, we get into the middle of the set and my dad is like about to die with like diabetes. He is like, his sugar is at 55. It should be at 128. Ooh, that's not good. Like diabetics that have their sugar that low 
normally pass out. So when we played blow Mr. Low, my dad was like, he just didn't have, he didn't have it. He didn't have the energy and he was super mad at himself. He's like, man, I'm just, I just hate this. And I'm like, you gotta, you gotta eat dude. Like, what are you talking about? So he like, he, I could see it. He's like panicking on stage. And I'm like, do you need water? Like what's going on? Like, I'm dude, I'm, I'm stressed. Like, is he having a stroke? Like what's going on? Oh man. And so the show ends and he's like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And like, my mom calls me like probably 30 minutes to 40 minutes after the show. She's like, Hey son. Hey, I know you're excited and you're just, you're hanging out and you need to send your dad home right now. And I'm like, what, what? Like, what do you, and she's like, you need to send your dad home right now. I just watched the video. I can see it in his face. His, he, there's something up, his sugar's low. There's something wrong, but he's, I could see the panic in his eyes. He needs, you need to send him home. She's like, I'm worried that he's not even going to make it home. And I'm like, what? Like oh, what? Man. That's scary. So he, yeah. So he checks his sugar. He's like, man, my sugar's at 55. And he like drinks a Coke and then eats something or does something to boost his sugar. And then he has to go eat, you know? So thankfully after the show, we went to Denny's and we were hanging out and we were like, he ate some food and then he was totally normal. But he's like, man, I almost passed out up there. And I'm like, you think like, dude, you know, like we can't have that. Wait, that was going on while you guys were live? Yes. Oh, I thought this was all during sound check. Oh, this was live. Like, dude, when that's crazy. he sings, like when he sing, when he sang, we did blow, blow Mr. Low um, for sound check. He sang it like the album. When we did it live, he couldn't get the notes out because he just didn't have the energy. He didn't have the breath to do it. Mm. And then he re- he he recovered, or he like, you know, he covered it up really well. You know, that shows that like he's been doing this a long time. But sometimes he just had to like talk the notes out. He couldn't like sing at full, full, you know, with a full breath. Yeah. And so I'm like, he's fading. Like, this is not good. You know, and like, I was like, I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was like, he was going to get caught up in like being at the show and finally performing again and wanting to do a good job. And he didn't eat. He forgot to eat. Dang. And so, you know, it's like. It wasn't he's he can't help, you know, that he didn't have the energy. It was just like but I was like, This is what I was saying. You have to do you have to do you have to eat. You have to like right before the show, from now on, you need to go and eat something so that you have all of your energy. So anyways, he was like he no one would no, no one knew. No one knows. Like, I I'm, couldn't tell. Okay. Yeah, you said you said I'm talking great. about it on the show, but like I told him, I don't want you telling anybody that you you didn't eat or anything. I'm like, just own what you did. You can't fix it. Just own it. And um, and he's just like, no, I wouldn't do that. And I'm like, yeah, all right, well. <laughs> so he's like super mad that he didn't give his best show because his health got in the way. But I was like, it doesn't matter. Like, even if you have to go up there and talk through the songs, like, like, um, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, like some of the Rat Pack guys used to do, you know, like, like, uh, who am I thinking of? Frank Sinatra. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like some, I mean, maybe you have to do that sometimes. Maybe you just don't have the energy. You just do what you can, but it's still, even if you can't sing the songs and you have to talk through it, 
we're still going to have you as the singer, bro. Like, so don't think that we're like, we need somebody who could just finish the show. And like, it's not like that. It's just, we need, I need you to have, it's like, it's like preparing for a race, dude. Like if I went on a cycling, if I, if I went on a long bike ride and not ate before the bike ride, I would not, I would not get very far. I would get like a, a couple miles down the road before my energy runs out. So Anyways, I ain't trying to hear that That's right crazy, now, man. It's crazy. So like, he was like, man, he was so, he was like happy that we did the show and he was like, band sounded great, man. I just wish I, I just wish I had my energy, you know? And I'm like, dad, it's, <sighs> he's like bummed at himself. And I'm like, you can't be bummed at yourself, but this is forever. This is on the internet now forever. You, you, you can't. You can't get in your own head. You can't like this is going to be on YouTube forever. I know it's it's kind of crazy when you think about that. Like that how much performing live music has changed with yeah. with the the coming of the uh the internet and smartphones. Mm. Dude. Yeah. You used to be able to be able to make mistakes and be like, "Oh well, no, no everyone will forget." <laughs> yeah, no. It's <laughs> yeah. like yeah. And so I have to kind of push that out of my head, you know, like out of my mind, because I was, I, I have that same thing where I get in my own head and, and, you know, I prepared for this, this thing, but you know, I don't like really soloing. I don't like, I don't like the spotlight to be on me. And like, this is my band, you know? And so it's like, there's no way around it. I have to play a solo. I have to have the spotlight on me a little bit more than usual. And so I have to block all that out. I have to be like, man, I don't care. Like, I want people to see this. I want people to see this because it's dope. If if you don't think it's dope, that's fine. You could just not watch. But I'm glad we have that on the internet. But I want all the guys to come in, including my dad, to come in and be like, I'm going to do my best. I'm not going to have something that I regret, you know? And that's what we were going through with the album where, you know, I kept having to re-record the vocals because I was like, this is not your best. I know what you can do. And you're trying to please everybody instead of just doing you. Do you. Because this is going to go down in history. This album isn't going to go away. So if you don't like something that you did, don't be like, well, it's up to you. Be like, I'm not happy with this and I want to redo it. You know? And I said, because this is not, it's not something, it's not a one-time performance. This is our album. You have to be proud of it. And it's the same thing with this release party. It's not just an album release. It's like, this is a live recording that's going to be on the internet forever. And now we have to live with it because you forgot to eat. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, that's what I, that's what I'm saying. You gotta, you, you gotta take this stuff serious, man. I take my health so serious, dude. People will not believe the diet that I'm on. No, most people wouldn't do this diet because but it's the best thing for my stomach, you know? And like, I've had to give up and make a lot of sacrifices with no more alcohol, no more bread, no more sugar, no more. You know how much I want a donut? Like I want a donut and I want pizza so bad, you know, but then I feel better. I've lost a bunch of weight and like, it's like, I don't, I mean, I don't know if I have to do it forever, but it's, you know, it's what I have to do to be healthy and to be my best person, you know? Yeah, dude. <laughs> when you came that night you came and dropped off that record uh-huh. at my house I totally I wanted to so bad but I, I refrained from offering you homemade pizza oh god <laughs> dude thank god 
<laughs> but it like just came out of the oven and it, like from scratch oh. like i made the crust and everything <laughs> oh my gosh dude. but i was like i can't do that to him i i have he'll been probably, actually he'll I, probably eat it and then he'll feel terrible later yeah no it i i wouldn't eat it i wouldn't have eaten it i i mean maybe i would have tried a little corner but yeah, I can't. I can't. The wheat is like the hardest thing right now for me because I'm I'm on a, a candida diet and it feeds off of wheat. So it, or like gluten. So I can't. I can't do that. It's like basically like keto. It's a lot like keto, but keto people eat a lot of meat, and I don't eat meat also. So, uh, anyways, um, I found a loophole with that though. Uh, pieology is place. dope. Yes. And it is, so I think there's some sugar in the, in the, um, the sauce, Uh but they have a, they have a cauliflower crust. Mm. It's gluten-free supposedly. I'm just going with it. Okay. (laughs) And, uh, you can put as many toppings as you want on there and dude, it is good. Oh, it's like every time I'm like, I want pizza. It's like one of the only places I can eat. And I went in there and got my thing and i feel great about it yeah dude those cauliflower, no, those cauliflower crusts can be really good yeah i've had some of those and you can't where i i couldn't really tell that it wasn't it wasn't wheat yeah yeah it's man it's been good um so that you know when i find something like that where i'm like oh man this is not it's no new york's you know slice but it still is doing the trick for me. I'm good. Like if I can, if I, yeah, that, I mean, pizza is a big one. If I can find a substitute for a burrito, oh man, I'm, it's game over. I'm going to work my way up to, up though, to getting one tortilla a day or like one every other day, you know? And yeah. so I can have burritos now and again. Um, yeah. Cause I, I want a burrito way more than I want a beer. Like I've already, like I'm three months in. And so now it's like not even crossing my mind to like, isn't that weird? Like, yeah, I don't even want a drink. Like, I don't even want it. Like, you know, like that live stream that we played. Normally, I would be like few tall cans in my backpack in the back room drinking before we go on. Have a nice buzz or whatever before we go on. He's, you know, cool the nerves. Yeah. Didn't even cross my mind. Like, man, I want a beer so bad. It was just like went on totally like clear headed and like. I played way better, I feel, than I, if I was buzzed, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good thing. And, I, and like, I don't, I don't, I don't really have like an end date, like, okay, I'm going to make it th- through January and then I'll start drinking. Like, it's like, I don't really want it right now. I don't need it. I don't care. Um, so yeah, I've, I don't, I don't like making rules like that. Like, well, I'm going to stop for, you know, I'm I'm not drinking forever. Like who knows? If I want to have a drink, I will. Or like maybe I won't. I don't know. But for right now, I like not drinking and I do like drinking, you know. Yeah. Summer had like some my wife had like a, a like at the end of the day she was um having some whiskey and like I could smell it and normally like a mo- a couple months ago I've been like, dude, I'm I need some. I want some, you know, but like I was just like don't need it. Don't want it. Don't care. I'm good. Mm-hmm. So I feel you. That's what happened with me. <laughs> yeah. It's weird, man. I don't miss it at all. You know, like this is the first time in a long time I've, I've stopped drinking for like months before. 
this is the first time in a long time where I don't have craving at all. Like I'm just, it's like, I don't, it's yeah. Like I said, <laughs> um, I really like, like schmucky metal gigs too. That's when I'm really like, let's just like, give me a drink. These people are driving me nuts, but nope. Feeling good. That's rad. So anyways, yeah. um, so yeah, really stoked, really proud about the live stream thing. Uh, really stoked about the album and the album sales and all that stuff. I haven't even really got into my week, but like, I'm just saying that was the big topic of the week. You know, our album dropped. It's on all the platforms now. Uh, if you guys want to give it a listen, it's on everything. Shuffle and bang is the band and the album is called Island Bop. Um, it's pretty jazzy. All right. So don't think you're going to be getting you rock guys out there. Don't think it's going to be like, yeah, let's hear Corey play. I'm sure he rocks. It's like jazzy as jazzy can jazz be. <laughs> I like that Metallica song you guys do on there. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, what's also going on funky Phil? Well, this week I did something great. I called my car insurance company. I know it's exciting <laughs> stuff. It's really exciting. <laughs> 15, 15 minutes can save you 15% or what? No. Well, I, I'm insured with Geico. I don't know if that's okay. their slogan or whatever, but um, that is, yeah. I realized, like many of you probably, that I'm not driving anywhere near as much as I used to drive. Right. But I'm still, I was still, you know, and my policy is about to renew. So they're about to charge me a bunch of money. And we pay like biannually. So we pay for half the year at once. So it's a lot of money, you know? So I called them to see if I could get a lower rate based on how much I'm driving now. And yeah. it worked. Really? Yeah. Wow. I yeah. thought you were going to hit the Phil needs coffee button. No. Just a straight up <laughs> applause. They knocked like over 100 bucks off my off my 6 months bill. So, if any of you are having a similar situation, go ahead and call them. I had like I had a couple services from each car, so I had like proof of how many miles we drove over a specific period of time, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was great. So I'm stoked on and that. And then you can, if things go back to normal, can you just leave it? Like you start gigging all the time and then can you just leave it? And I mean, I could. Yeah. That probably be an ethical thing to do, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I might, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that, I don't know when that's going to happen, dude. Honestly. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know. I, you know, I've all that much... all that vaccine talk, they said it's not going to really come to fruition until like early 2022 or yeah. like the end of 2021. So Yeah, it's going to take a while for any of that. I mean, the whole situation is going to – I feel like people think it's like just suddenly going to stop when a vaccine comes out. Mm. But um, anyway, so yeah, car insurance, check. Nice. That was, that was a big bonus. Uh, I love that it rained. A oh, lot. This is really love good. it. Um, what else? I've happened? been loving the weather, man. Oh, dude! Last night I was doing dishes, and uh, my wife was with the kids in the bath, and they're usually pretty loud. You know, they they play in the bathtub together. The kids, you know, and Charlotte just sits uh, there to watch to make sure no one gets hurt, and they're loud and stuff. 
and then but this last night it got extremely loud like <laughs> what is going on something horrible has happened someone is hurt i'm freaking out so i run i start i leave the the sink still running i just bolt for the bathroom to see what's going on <laughs> our youngest milo he just took a dump in the bathtub <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Which is really gross. You know, <laughs> especially if you're like a six year old in there with it. Uh, um, so, yeah, that was a, f- and they have all these toys in there, you know, so it was, just, it was a whole ordeal, but oh I'm my just glad, gosh. I'm glad, I'm glad <laughs> someone didn't get, wasn't seriously hurt, but dude, it was like, <laughs> uh, Felix was like, he was screaming like someone ripped his arms off. Like, like it was, <laughs> Yeah, no, Milo just let cut loose in there. He was. This is again, and he was very confused. <laughs> like, what's the problem, bro? He was like scared and super confused. And, and I, I, oh man, it was so funny. This is again another reason why, like, I find kids are funny, and like, even though it's gross, it's another reason why I'm like, that's the reason why I would want to have kids because of funny moments like that. It was pretty funny. I mean, there's some cleaning involved afterwards, but you know, yeah, um, yeah, that. And then uh, I've been working on a beat, a groove. I've been trying to get creative whenever I have time, mm-hmm. and uh, push. It's fun getting creative and pushing your boundaries at the same time, you know. So this is another groove that I would not be able to play. I can't even play it really yet. <laughs> I'm wor- yeah, I've got. I'm working on a, on this whole thing, where, and it's open handed, so I'm doing stuff. I'm doing left hand on the hi hat. And right hand moving around the kids. Oh stuff. boy, um, these things that you come up with—it's just like, <sighs> yeah. Maybe I'll play it next week. I think I've, I'm I'm getting closer with it, but maybe I'll maybe I'll give you a little demo next week. I'm know. just trying to keep like keep lesson curriculum going, like, and then here over here, like making up impossible things to to play. Dude, yourself. I'm, I'm not getting anywhere near enough drumming time in my life right now. Me either. I spend I, like half a day, twice a week, you know, teaching, and that's about it. Uh, that's cool. Um, I mean, I'm I'm doing that kind of the same, but I've been trying to take a little bit of time to practice this last couple weeks. Um, or last last week I was because I had to play that solo. You know, it wasn't my the solo of my life, but I, you know, again, it's going to be on the internet, and I want to do something where I'm not like, what did what did I just do? Like, you know, I wanted to have a plan. You killed at it. least. You sounded great. Yeah, man. it's. Uh, it was. Awesome. I, I'm not. I'm not a soloist, man. I'm not a soloist, you know. And the thing is, though, that I'm noticing is like a lot of guys aren't soloists. They're just kind of, you know, we don't get to play solos all the time unless you're like Girgo Borlai or like those those guys that are like, you know, this is th- that is what they do. They specialize in soloing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just not that guy, especially when it's like you know, you're playing a dance gig or pop gig or something. And they're like, Hey, give the drummer some. And then you're like, what do I do? Like, I'm going to kill the dance floor. <laughs> exactly. You know? That's dude. That's yeah. what I always say. I'm like, and it's, and especially so then you try to, everybody drops out too. Yeah. And now you have nothing to play to Yeah, <laughs> where everybody else did their solo to the song with a beat, <laughs> with a beat. Yeah. yeah. And then the dance floor, everybody's just like, Oh, okay. And then, 
you know, it's like you don't do anything flashy because you're trying to keep the groove going for the, for the dance floor. And then they're like, that wasn't like, I thought Corey was better than that, you know? And it's like, ah, I didn't do what I normally would want to do. Yeah. So yeah, we did like, a um, on that live stream thing, I had one solo. I didn't want any other solos. I just wanted one. And, um, we normally do it in one of the songs that we played, but I didn't want to do it in that either. Um, and so I just did it at the end of a song and we had like, we, we have like a big fermata at the end and then I just start soloing like kind of like a Latin jazz band, like percussion solo. Uh, and I just did it for like two minutes and then I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> and, uh, but, but yeah, I was like trying to come up with ideas. I was like watching some lesson videos on like, how to build a good solo and you know and just kind of took a little bit of this and a little bit of that and i always love the solos that like ramp up to something big at the end and i've never really been good at that and um it, like i i see a lot of solos that are like that that like i don't have a lot of time so i have to like you know um put in as many notes as i can yeah. and that's not what kind of guy i am i'm i i have like I, I always am like the guy that like, Hey, I like a couple of these like riffs that I have and I'm trying to throw all those in, you know, and, and it doesn't make sense always. So I wanted the solo to kind of make some sense. And if I do do like a regular solo, like, you know, I record something in the studio or something, then it it's, I like solos that have like some, some room. This is pro this is one of the um topics of the day, by the way. So that's why I'm talking more about it, but a little bit of room, a little bit of space, you know, it has some color. It has some, like, it's, you're telling a story. It's not just chops all the time. Yes. This was not one of those solos. So, um, I was like, man, I don't know what to do. Do I need to take a lesson? Some guys, when you ask them for a solo lesson, they just show you how great of a soloist they are, but they're not really helping you. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not going to like pay somebody for that. So I was like, man, I should hit, hit up funky Phil or I should hit up, um, Kevin Aguchi or some of my friends and just be like, yo, can you like help a brother out? Give me some ideas, you know, like, so Kevin Aguchi was like, Hey, I'm in town. I'm in Vista. I'm going to a shop, a drum shop, <laughs> a drum pawn shop to, <laughs> to buy some, to look for some things. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I was like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, no. I was like, cool. All right. Hey, I'm like, you should come and um to this to the shop to my to my studio and give me a drum lesson on soloing. And he's like, a drum lesson on soloing. Like, why would I do that? And I'm like, because I need some help, bro. And he's like, all right. Well, maybe I'll just come to the studio and hang out, you know. And, and I'm like, all right, yeah. Maybe we can shed or something, and you know that'll get me out of my shell and give me some ideas. And so we just, we just hung out and talked before one of my lessons. And then my lesson walked in and then he's like, Hey, well, before I go, I just want to tell you this. So he's like, you know, what helps me with soloing is kind of creating some shapes and doing stuff opposite than what you would normally do. So he's like, so for example, we're used to going around the toms and stuff like right hand lead and doing it this way. He's like, but what I've been doing is like keeping my left hand on my floor tom or keeping my left hand isolated on one drum and then moving my right hand around. Like, even if I have to cross over, mm. I was like, Oh, that's, that's a cool. good idea. That's cool. Yeah. And so he's like, so he so showed me a few examples of like, see, like if I do this, if I did it with my left hand on the snare, it kind of, it, it, it I'm used to doing that. 
But he's like, but if I move it to this and I have to do it like, you know, opposite, he's like, then it, it, it makes me be more creative and it helps me to go in a different direction. I was like, I like that. That's a good idea. (laughs) I like that too. And so just that right there, like helped me to kind of get out of my head. And I was like, well, you know, I, I tell him, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I thought about like maybe singing the melody in my head and, and playing the form of the song. And he's like, yeah, I mean, you can do that. That's more of like a jazz thing though. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why I was trying to do something like that. And that, that was helping me with my practice. But he's like, but you know, this is an open solo. So you don't have to do that. He's like, you could just do whatever you want. And he's like, that's the fun of having your open solo. This is your time to do whatever it is that you want to do. It's not like you don't know how to play. He's like, so just do you. Don't worry about keeping the form. Don't worry about trying to, you know, accomplish something that, you know, that's, that's getting in your own way. And that's that's funny because that's what I'm always like teaching. Like, don't get in your own way when you're walking or running. You're not thinking right, left, right, left, right, left. You're just walking. Mm -hmm. And so, man, just that, I mean, it was seriously like a five minute lesson for me that like helped me so much. Yeah. And so it's like, and then I was able to just play me like, do a couple of my go-to riffs, do a couple of my go-to licks, you know? And it's, yeah, it was just, it was cool. So it, and it wasn't like, I wasn't really in my, I got, I always get nervous when it's time, you know, but um, it was it, like, it didn't, I don't know. It just, I, I, you know, I could, if I had another take, I could do a better job or whatever, but it was like in the moment, it was what I wanted. It wasn't like, I wasn't really bummed at anything. It wasn't like, this is, obviously a mess up like i i've i've had those in the the middle of a solo where you're like dang it i just lost it you know Mm -hmm. so so it was it was good and i'm like super stoked that kevin like helped you know he's a really great soloist you know he is so man i would love to like yeah we gotta we gotta utilize like man like help me out i help you out whatever and like let's like you know everybody should be like Hey, why don't you try this? And it's like, when it's like, I feel like it, when it's in the brigade, you know, like when it's with the homies, the, 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 the team guys or whatever, it's like, there's no, I don't know. There's no like, what are you teaching me for? You know, <laughs> like, it's like, I want to know. And I, I respect everybody that's like, you know, involved. So yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. Um, so yeah, thanks Kevin. That was dope. Yeah. Um, that was like dope. <laughs> and uh yeah so um all right sorry phil i went on a tangent and you were talking about your groove and all that stuff no we, I, was, we... I was pretty much done that's okay. I, I like this solo talk though and drum solos are a weird thing man yeah I'm, I'm with you on like especially the the dance gig drum solo situation mm-hmm. can be like super super weird it has to yeah. be just right and like i feel like it's it's nice when there's an ostinato like when the band holds down right. some kind of rhythmic figure that you can play around with yeah but see i've had also another problem with that um so uh, especially when like when fig was in town or fig was playing regularly or whatever um fig has such perfect time and then he holds the band accountable if they waver in any way possible Mm -hmm. and i don't 
believe that. I feel like if you want to uh, do that, then you should be playing, the whole band should be playing to a click. Yeah. Uh, if you want to hold everybody accountable, play to a click. So when, if you're playing a solo, I want it to breathe. I want it to be organic, you know, and I want like, if they're playing an ostinato under you, uh, I want that. I don't want, I don't want you to be thinking so much about the time that you're not listening to me. And I've had that happen where now I feel like I'm, I'm paying so much attention to you that I'm not paying attention to what my playing is doing. Yeah. And I want us to be listening together. Now it's making it, uh, it's not making it organic. It's like, I'm not fig dude. Like I can't do what he does and I can't do it in perfect time, you know, but I can do some stuff, but let's play music like this. I don't want a robot behind me. Yeah. You know? And so I'm not going to purposely try to lose you. I want to play to what you're playing. We played this whole song together. And now when it's time for me to solo, it's like, you're, 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 you're trying to, keep perfect time or else I'm going to hold you accountable. And that's not how I roll. Yeah. I've literally had that happen where I'm like, Hey, come on, man. Like I can't even, I can't solo over this because you're just, you're stomping your foot and trying to make, make me be on time, you know? And it's like, just listen, just listen, yeah. you know? So, um, I just don't, I just don't like it, man. That's not my, that's not what our, my job is. My job is to, keep the dance floor full and keep the groove happening and play some cool licks in between. But yeah, well, I mean like it's like a situational thing, obviously, uh, yeah. you know, if it's something, I mean, I think some ostinatos can be fun and some are, some can be like a little too, a little too tough to get like everyone lined up together. Uh, it's like my favorite way to solo, you know, like when there's, when there's something underneath, you know, that, yeah. Some of the best solos I've heard are, are like that. And so, so the best solos I've heard is, you know, the solos that build and build. I, I don't typically like the arena solos where the band leaves the stage and you're just there and you have to do show stuff. Yeah, I'm not into that either. I don't, I, I just, I, I just hate, I don't, I mean, I personally don't like, even in jazz, like, I, that was always something I didn't like about jazz um, situations where, Everybody stops playing. It's like, okay, drummer time. Yeah. And yeah. everyone else, it's a conversation. You know, there's, you have a whole rhythm section, you know, feeding off of you and helping you build ideas. And, and then a drummer, drum solo comes and everyone just like bounces. And it's like, okay. Yeah. And I, yeah. I'm not into that. I, but like, as far as soloing goes from what I try to, what I try to think while I'm doing, you know, just in general. I mean, obviously, if it's like a jazz tune, you 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 try to follow the the song structure mm -hmm. and and the melody and all that. Um, but uh, some of the stuff that I try to consider when I'm soloing to to help me, you know, be creative and stay on track, and that you know I I work on with some of my students is um, having phrases. Yeah, like building, like starting with a simple idea. And maybe you have like if if you know you have a solo coming on a certain song, like maybe you have a couple phrases already fresh in your head that you want to yeah. develop and move. You know, t pick one and develop it and make it grow and move to another one. And you know, yeah, that's, there that's, was there's a a video I can't remember who it was that I was watching, but it was like an, an arena style drum drummer, and he was take giving you his take on 
on the um, solo. So this was like a written solo, though. He would do like the same one every night. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, I've never been that guy. Like, no, me neither. I just, there's ideas you can go with, but I more mean like a loose, like a vague, like a very simple rhythmic idea or melodic right. phrase in your head. You can, I mean, sometimes it, it can work where you, ha- you have your own virtual ostinato in your brain going. Yeah. That you're, you're playing around. Or sometimes it's like more of like a uh, really kind of musical idea that you do on the drums that starts simple and then elaborate. So my original idea was to do something like that, where I start off with a rhythmic thing, you know, like snare and toms kind of thing. And like the way that he was describing it was like having a structure, like, okay, this is going to be like a, a, a verse, but you're playing it in your solo. And so you're going to build on this and then it, yeah. and then it like goes into a chorus and then that's like the big part. Then it comes back. You always come back to the verse and you're doing that thing again. And I was like, I like that idea. And then, um, so I was like, maybe I can build something like that, you know? And, and, uh, I was going to try, I was going to try start trying to see what was going on or just like vaguely have that in my mind of like, okay, cool verse. This, this could be the verse and then come back to that, you know, build on something. Yeah. Have some themes. Um, yeah. Themes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this is my course and I can, you know, but it's like musically, that's really cool to do, but that's kind of like an arena thing, you know, it's like, and so, and it, and it wasn't like he was, it wasn't an overly complicated Virgil Donati solo that this dude was doing. It was like, it was some simple, like rudiment stuff, some Tony William licks. And, but then it was like, this one rudiment is my verse. And then this Tony Williams lick is my chorus. And so I'm going to build on both of these two licks. Those two things, those two simple things are like my bass. I'm going to play around with that, but that's my bass for the verse. That's my bass for the chorus, you know? Yeah. Maybe he has something that's like a bridge completely off, but then it goes back to, you know, and it it all works. It goes back to the verse. Then it ends with the chorus, you know, or ends with the verse or whatever. It's like, and it was really, it was really great concept. Um, and it's probably something I'll use like in teaching and, and cause I've, I've tried to teach some solos. Some, some kids had some like assignments at school and they had to play an open solo and, and it was like, that was the idea. Well, you have to have a theme that you're always coming back to, you know, and it can be simple. It can be like a Tom, dun, 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 you know, and that's your theme, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, anyways, uh, soloing is, it's not, it doesn't have to be as intimidating as, you know, as it, as you think it needs to be, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm sure a lot of guys that listen to our show are great, phenomenal soloists, but um, it, it, honestly, what people are impressed with and what we think people are going to be impressed with is two opposite things. Like, my finishing lick on this solo, that crossover symbol Tom thing, is the easiest lick in the freaking world. 16 note triplets. It's so easy. Yeah. But people are like, wow, did you see what he just did? Oh my gosh. It's like yeah, all over the place and he played so fast. It's like, yeah, you have to kind of do those showmanship things in a solo because if you play rudiment stuff, they're just not going to get it. But you play Wipeout and they're like, holy moly. Oh my gosh. He played Wipeout. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it's so true yeah so anyways it was fun i'm glad i'm i'm like i just wanted something that i was like hey i know i can do better than this i know i can do worse than this and i've done both and so i just i'm cool with what i played i think people would be happy to see you know and it's funny though okay so side note on that solo 
Um, I finished my solo, done, hit the cymbal, and then there's supposed to be a big fermata at the end. And so I have to cue the band. So I give them a nod like, okay, I'm done. And then I, we end. Yeah. Uh, one of my students, like the next day or the, or two days later is like, Hey, I, I watched your show. It was really cool. And I'm like, Oh, cool. I'm like, Oh, he's like, but well, I had to log off early cause it's really late here. And I'm like, uh, that's all good. I'm like, I'm glad you missed my solo. And he's like, no, I saw it. I'm like, Oh, you did. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I saw the nod at the end. And I'm like, Oh yeah. And he's like, yeah. And I, he's like, yeah, I saw the way you looked at the band, like top that. And I was like, that's not, that is not what I was saying, dude. He's like, it looked like you were like, you finished your solo and then you gave them the nod. Like, uh huh. Top that. Uh, I could see how, I could see how someone might think that. Yeah. But, cause I remember, I, was, I remember that moment as well. And I was like, it, to, but to me, it was obviously you're cueing the band. And right, <laughs> I, I, I and I could see a sense of um, like you were uh, happy with what you just did, like not yeah. <laughs> not that you were like gloating or anything, but like more like just like you were at peace. You know, you can tell when yeah. someone's like they feel like they didn't do what they wanted to or they messed up. You know, they might right. cue the band and look kind of pissed off, but you yeah. seemed very at peace. <laughs> okay. So that, so what, what you just said is like exactly what was in my mind. So I had like boxes that I wanted to tick. Yeah. Okay. Like I wanted to start outside of the ending, the end, like the song fermata at the end, I wanted to, to play a six stroke role like over and over again on the snare. And then I wanted to stop. That was one box that I was like, I want to nail that Two, I wanted to nail Kevin Aguchi's left hand on the floor, Tom thing. And nice. I wanted to do it like, like that kind of vibe. So that was another one that I was like, okay, I did it. Normally I can't, I can't check all the boxes. Like normally I'm like, dang it, man, I didn't do it. And then I wanted to somehow transition into ending with the, the crossover symbol thing. And so if I got those three boxes, I was like, I'm happy with the solo. If I didn't, if I missed one of those, then I'm like, man, I didn't do what I wanted to do. So, that's that's all I'm saying. So anyways, yeah. yeah, I had to like explain, bro, I was not saying top that. <laughs> I'm like, I have to cue the band as to like, okay, I'm done. So that was me saying, okay, I'm done. You yeah. know, and he's like, oh, that's not what it looked like. It looked like you were saying, yeah, go ahead and top that. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like rolling my eyes. <laughs> like you gotta be freaking kidding me, dude. So, uh, yeah. As long as we're on the topic of cueing coming out of solos. Though there was one moment that I noticed, and uh, where coming out of um, Steve's Steve Haney did a conga solo, yeah, and I don't know if maybe I might be wrong or misinterpreting it, but it seemed like he gave the nod that he was done, and went and into we a, going. went into a conga groove, but no one came in, yeah, and then he kind of <laughs> kept going, so and tried to so, fill the gap, and then cue the horns again, yeah. So that was um. <laughs> They, uh, so that's because at rehearsal we were, um, it was written like in the set list and everything that we were supposed to end it the way that we ended it yeah. with me soloing and then doing that thing at the end. So, uh, Steve wasn't at rehearsal though. Oh. So, so he was like, he didn't know he was going to have a solo there. We didn't no, 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 It was on the fly. So yeah. I, you can hear me go, Steve. And then he starts soloing. 
But then he looks at me like, okay, go ahead, your turn. And uh-huh. I'm like, my solo is at the end. Um, oh, okay. And so the horns were kind of like, Rob's like, go ahead, Corey. And I'm just like, Mm-mm. saving it for the way I'm not going to like mess this up. I'm not going to like play my solo now and then do another solo in two seconds. Yeah. So they're kind of like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And then, then they kind of remembered like, oh yeah, his is at the end. And uh, so okay. I was like, let's get it together. Come on. <laughs> and so they, yeah, <laughs> they freaking did it. Like That explains like, that. It, it, I mean, it was very, it wasn't like super obvious or anything. I, I was just like, something seems amiss. You know what's funny is like when I play in other band, like ska bands, like especially Western Standard Time, that happens a lot where it's like, no, you go. No, I'll go. No, well, whose turn is it? Whose solo is it? And it's like it's written on the set list or it's written on the chart. Yeah. But they're just like they're waiting, you know, and we're waiting for the cue from the from the MD to like cue us back into the main horn line or give us some kind of cue. So we don't, you know, and so. I was pretty pleased with like, I told them at rehearsal, I don't want anybody like wondering whose solo it is. I don't want anybody wondering when we come back into the the main line. I don't want any of that. I want everybody to be on top of it. Even if it's wrong, even if you're soloing over each other, I don't care. Yeah. Like, but I don't want, no, you go, no, I'm good. You know, well, just let this guy go. And then the piano does a solo, you know, it's like, dude, let's plan out the solos. Cause I don't want any dead space. I want it to be tight. Yeah, that was the only one, but yeah, I'll take it. Um, nah, but dude, there was so everyone played so well. There were so many great solos. Yeah, dude, those those guys can play, man. Dude, They're, Bobby, uh, Bobby's killer. Oh my god, he's so good. It's so fun watching him play too. When you when he gets like super amped, he you know he stands up and just, yeah, just going yeah. bananas on the on the keys. He's come a long way, man. He's uh, we've been playing together since he was probably like eighteen years old, and mm. I mean, I remember when he wouldn't solo. Really? And, uh, he, or if he if he soloed, he had to write a solo, and he'd play the same one every time. Dang. I I hate to throw him under the bus like that, but I mean, when he was a kid, he was he's always been a great piano player. But yeah. um, we've been playing this style of music for since we were kids, man, for years and years and years together. That's rad. And so he was kind of saying that too, like, man look at where we've come, you know, we've, we've played this music for so long and look at what it's become, you know, where we can, you know, we don't do it like a standard ska band shuffle and bang is not just like a standard ska band. We don't have a guitar player. And so I'm like, you know, the piano chair is a hard chair to fill, fill in this band because you're carrying all of it and you're playing jazz phrasings and stuff with those like upbeats, you know? Yeah. And so I'm like the Latin style that you have and the, like Bobby is the guy, you know, there it's, it, it's really hard when we have to get a sub for the piano chair. They just, the band is, the band suffers. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, he's, I'm just like, man, I seriously, I can't tell you how great it is to have you do this, man. It's really cool. And, uh, he did a great job. Rob Dove too, man. Those, he's a killer player, man. Killer. I I feel like those are the best dudes in San Diego, you know, like there's other guys like Anthony Smith and, you know, and, and Ed Kornhauser and, you know, piano players and there's other sax players in town too. But I just feel like for my band, those are the dudes that are just, those are the baddest dudes that I could get. Yeah. uh, Same thing with the other other horn players too. Dude, the trumpet player plays with like, with, um, uh, 
what's it called? What's the big, the stray cats dude from, um, the, uh, God, every time on the show, dude, I can never think of names. Brian Setzer orchestra. Yeah. He plays with Brian Setzer orchestra. He's like first chair dude in like Western standard time. Dude. He plays with Gino Vanelli. Who's like my favorite singer on earth. I know <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's like a really, he's a, he's a first chair guy. He's like the high note guy. So he's not a soloist, but he's soloed in my band and he killed it. And then, and then Andy was playing, Andy plays with slightly stupid and he's also another like heavy trombone guy. It's just, these dudes are nuts, man. It's crazy to play with these guys. Um, all right. So anyways, uh, I have other stuff that went on this week. What else? Okay. How's your um, tooth? My tooth is, is I'm living. It's weird still, but it's the pain has really like gone away and now it just feels weird and swollen. It's still healing. So. Um, I still got like three weeks before I get my permanent um, bridge put in. Nice. Um, uh, so what is wrong with you, Zildjian? I had to bite the bullet. You and went go to buy GC? my own symbol. Huh? I had to bite the bullet and go buy my own symbol from Guitar Center. Yeah, I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the one I wanted. Anytime Corey goes to... Guitar Center. There's there's probably a soapbox, yeah, involved. This was really pleasant though because I went to a different one. I Ooh. went to the one in East County in La Mesa. Oh, so my dentist office had to go to the dentist. Had to have my tooth checked. I thought there was something wrong. They were they were going to check it. They had, they had to check it anyways. But I literally got in the dentist chair for five seconds. He's like, "Yeah, look good. We'll see you in a month." I'm like, I just drove to La Mesa to have you just like look at it. He's like, I just want to make sure like your cheek isn't swollen or anything. I'm like, all right. So my dentist office is literally like 0.8 miles away from Guitar Center. And it's three miles away from Sam Ash. So I'm like, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to check and see what they have. So I walk in and I'm like, the, the La Mesa Guitar Center is so much better dude just like so just don't even waste your time going to san marcos yeah yeah uh, La mesa or the i think the marietta one's pretty decent too i've had problems at the marietta one too because they never have anything it's just uh. crap in there um so la mesa is um they have a bunch of special dries in there so i'm looking for uh a zildjian I'm looking for a 20 inch special dry crash. Um, I said I would settle for an 18 inch special dry crash. And I was like, and I'm not sure if I want the whole, the ones that have all the holes in them. Those are a little bit too trashy for me and they're not loud enough. Yeah. Um, so I walk in, they have, they don't have a 20 inch, but they have the whole, they have like a 19 inch hole version. And then they have an 18 inch special dry. And I'm like, I might just buy this one. And then the 18 inch is on clearance. What? That's a three, it's $334 normally. It was on clearance. Nothing wrong with it. It was just on clearance for like 280. That's not bad. And so I'm like, dude, by the time I pay for shipping and everything, I'm probably not going to get it for, you know, much cheaper than that from Zildjian. Nice. 
So it would have been cheaper. It probably would have been, it, I don't know what it would have been, but it, it, but Zildjian of course is backed up like usual and they're not really filling artist orders right now, unless you're freaking Mike Mangini. And so, <laughs> so they're filling like store orders and, you know, they furloughed a bunch of people and like, yes, like, uh, yeah, the main AR girl doesn't work there anymore. And like, mm. which is crazy, dude. And so, so I'm just like, yeah, you know, I need the symbol. I really want the symbol. Um, and I'm just going to go for it, I think. And so I, I was like, I tried the holy one. It sounded pretty good, but th- that's the thing that's crazy too, is they let me, the guy was so helpful. Like, think about all my soapboxes when I go in there and I'm just like, can I get some help back here? You know, and they just can't be bothered and they don't know what they're talking about. This dude was an actual drummer. Nice. There was a teacher in the room, like, like recruiting students or something. And, um, there, the guy, I said, Hey man, can I get some help back here? He was like over the top, like, yeah, man, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you need some time to try? I said, no, I said, can I, can I try out some symbols in there? And he's like, of course. Yeah. Here you go, man. He gave me a stick and he's like, do you need some help? Like I, I can follow you in there and just pull whatever you want. And I'm, he's like, take as much time as you need. And I'm like, where am I right now? Whoa. He's like, try as many as you want. Take as much time as you need, man. Let me know if you need any help. I'll be right there. I'm like, okay. So then he comes back, he comes in in like five minutes and he's like, did you want me to pull any of these off the rack? And I'm like, yeah, I said, I'm thinking about getting this one, but I would like to try. I'm like, is it possible to try them? And he's like, of course, man. He's like, tell you what, you can't really tell in this room because this is an enclosed room. So I'll bring it out for you. I'm like, okay brings it out, puts it on a drum set. He's like, take as much time as you want. He's helping a customer. I'm being all loud, like, like in the drum room. And he's just totally cool with it. Totally, totally cool with it. That's rad. And so I'm like, that's cool. And then my second choice was like 400 and something dollars. So I'm like, I'm not going to buy that. So I'm like, I think I have to go with this. And so I'm just like, I'm going to do it. So it's great, man. Yeah. So the only thing is though, man, is those special drives are dope. Okay. Mm-hmm. They are dope. Yeah. Um, they are trashy and just they're Yeah. But the 18 and the 19 are too close together. They're like, they don't sound different enough for me. Well, sorry to jump in there. I just, do you have these on, on the live stream? Yes. I noticed First off, your cymbal sounded fantastic. Really Thank good. You. And I actually really liked the difference between the, your two crashes. Really? I could hear it. Yeah. Okay. It was very clear to me which one was which. And I I, they, I felt like they're, they complemented each other. Okay, that's good. At least know. from my end, from through the internet, you know, through the, the streaming thing, it sound, I could hear it. I feel like I really like it. Man, I really like it, but I feel like a 17 might be better. But then I don't like the tones of the well, I've I've only heard the 16. I don't know if they make a 17, but the tones of the 16 I don't like. It's, it sounds it sounds that that like the trashy symbols to me sound better at a bigger size. Uh-huh. But then I was thinking if I I already had the 19, so I was thinking if I got a 20, maybe they would sound too close together. And what I like about them is the quickness of like you know, the quick, I love the trashiness of them, but the quick, um, uh, there's no sustain. There's like very quick sustain. 
So I'm like, I don't know what to do, man. I, cause like, you know, you can't, it's like, I'm still stuck in this world where I have to, I can't go to Zildjian and try out symbols, you know? Um, so I have to, I'm kind of stuck with it, you know? And, and, uh, I can live with it, but is it what I really wanted? I'm forever going to be like thinking, man, do I, I should, I should really have like the 20, but I feel like the 20 is going to be too big now, you know? So I'm like, I played a wedding gig over the weekend and I played, I only use those. And I was just like, yeah, dude, this is what I've been looking for. And you know, it's just, they're trashy and gross and dope. Yeah. I love it. I love it, man. I love those symbols. And like, you know, I feel like, yeah, there, I could have like, I feel like now I want like an A custom, like a brighter sound. Like I have a 17 A custom. I feel like that should be in the mix. And I feel like my, my K um, hybrid should be in the mix, but then now I'm symbol guy. I have like freaking a million symbols in the mix to get those perfect sounds. Yeah. So I don't know, but I'm just, I'm happy to have these options. I freaking love those. I love that ride. I love, I love the dirty gritty crashes and they, it wasn't, it was too different for me to have a K hybrid and then a 19 inch special dry. And I would favor the special dry. And so that's why, especially with ska, I'm like, I want this quick, quick symbols for, for, um, horn hits and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So Phil, let's, um, take a break. Let's put the interview right here. And then we'll come back at you with Soapbox, Hey This One Time, all that other jazz, okay? Yeah. Yo, Funky Phil. Yo, Corey. We have some great listeners, don't we? Yeah. You know how they can be even more like dope than they already are? Keep listening. Definitely true. What else? Tell all your friends. Also very true. What else? Join the Patreon all good things but you know the biggest thing that they can do is go to drumbrigade.com and check out the merch store yes we have so much like dope swag up there we got men's shirts sweatshirts got women's shirts we got kids shirts yes onesies we got socks mugs phone cases stickers got it all all in different sizes all in different colors just for you so if you want to show the world that you are a drummer with style and you're part of the Brotherhood of Drums, go to drumbrigade.com, visit our merch store. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, buddy. Uh, what is this again, Phil? Episode 95? 96. 96? Oh, my goodness. Woo. Just moving right along here. Uh, we got a special guest on the line with us, all the way from Downey, California. Very busy man, this guy. Um, you know, his he's a he's a working drum tech. He's an also also a working professional drummer. Um, plays in bands or plays with artists like Charlie Puth, Kiara. Uh, was on the road with Noah Cyrus before the whole COVID. Fin- uh, what do we call it? Fandango? No, that's not a word. <laughs> Pandemic pandemic <laughs> maybe that'll work better <laughs> i was gonna say fiasco and pandemic and like it just you know where's my mind okay <laughs> yeah uh, also works as a drum tech um as i mentioned has worked with hansen uh, adele three doors down adam lambert patty labelle um some major artists worked for some other great drummers drum tech for aaron spears all kinds of stuff um please welcome to the show 
Tyler Zarzika. Yes, sir. <laughs> this is what I like, man. That we're the studio audience. That's yeah. <laughs> I always say like, we used to be able to pretend like we are in a studio audience and then, but now we're like on zoom. So we we're like, yeah, no, they're, they're like on the other side of the camera. Like, yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> um, this is what I like though. We're, you know, on the show is, you know, having you on the show, we're, we're, we're talking or chatting with, you know, somebody who's like out there really doing it for real. You know what I mean? Like there's no fake in that funk. If you're a drum tech on, on those big stages, you know, you're, that's part of our industry or that's part of our, our work, you know, and then working as a pro, a pro drummer too. You, you, uh, went to music musicians Institute as well. I forgot to mention, um, that's really cool, man. How's everything going for you? And thank you for coming on the show, by the way. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, lo- I love your show. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm stoked to be a part of a show that understands drums. I've done these before, and they don't know anything about drums. Oh, God. Cool, but it's hard to explain that to somebody when you, when you can't talk about a 16th note. Like, it's, yeah. It's, it's kind of awkward. But <laughs> but no, thanks are, thanks are good. I'm staying busy, um, as busy as one can be in this, and somehow doing music work. Uh, I think live streams are the main for everyone these days um, yeah so i've just been doing a few of those and some music videos and uh staying as busy as i could yeah that's cool um so before all of this went down <laughs> I, I have i probably have a million drum tech questions for you like it's and like so uh, you know i'm talking about that just as much as being a drummer honestly. okay cool yeah feel, feel free that's they're both really uh great passions of mine do you know do you know sahir Hanif, um, so I always ask him about that too, like about teching on, on albums or teching on, on stages. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so, so you're, it's really unique for you because you have both ends. You're, you're a big stage drummer and you're a big stage tech. Um, what's more pressure for you? Is it, it like, <laughs> is there like, you know, if you set up like Aaron Spears kit and you, you know, everything's tuned to his liking and all that if something goes wrong, like it's more your fault, right? <laughs> like, I guess I should just leave a question at that. Like what's more, what's more pressure for you? Honestly, I would say drum teching. Yeah. And I've, the only reason I could say that more than the other is I've had nightmares about setting up parents <laughs> kit and not doing it wrong. But like, I would have these reoccurring dreams where I would, we would show up late to the venue. We have five minutes do everything you normally do in an hour setup time in literally five minutes or the show doesn't go on and you get fired. Like those are my nightmares. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think all drummers have those nightmares though. Yeah. I, I have those, I've talked about it on the show before. I have those nightmares where, you know, like it's a, a show scenario where the lights go out and the music starts and we have to walk on stage, but I didn't set up my kit and somebody else, nobody else set up my kit. So <laughs> everything's weird and spaced yep. out and I don't have sticks and like, it's a yep. recurring nightmare. Awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but no, the thing about Aaron though, was I made him so self-contained because at one point I was taking care of all the band members, DJ, oh, wow. percussion, keyboard, bass, guitar, and then Aaron. And it, since I knew drums so well, like drums didn't have to worry about once I knew like memory locks were locked and like heads were fresh he was fine. I gave him spare snare, spare, uh, spare, I can't speak, spare pedal. And I would have to work on everything else with the rest of the band. Um, so I kind of trained myself to, to work with drummers to where they have to be self-reliant. 
Um, I can't always be there, you know. And even with Usher, I was on the other side of the stage. I was nowhere near Aaron. So if something went wrong, he'd have to fix it himself. Wow. I was kind of, yeah, I had to be always around the DJ because that seemed to have a lot of issues, whether it was RCA's disconnecting or like his perk rig failing and stuff like that. God, so much pressure, man. I couldn't deal with it. I loved it. It's fun. (laughs) It's so much fun now. Yeah. It's the so, same same rush kind of as drumming, you know. It's it's a different kind of reward because you know, you know, the arena's not applauding you necessarily. They're applauding right. drummers, but just to be able to be on those stages with those bands watching them work, like that was just something you couldn't pay for. Yeah. You see that every night too. It's just crazy. Oh my gosh, man. Yeah. Um yeah, that's incredible. Uh, you know, like like you said, like you know, being on the stage that up up close and personal, and 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 it's kind of something that goes unlooked, you know, overlooked. Um, people go and pay all this money to go see these artists, but they don't know that a lot of the work that goes into the show is the the behind the scenes, the texts that are making this really happen, you know. And so, um, so um, as far as as drum teching, you know, like. Do you got do you guys have different texts that do different things or is it like okay drum like you you mentioned you have to do you have to care for the whole band but um drum teching like what's the what's the hardest thing to you know perfect or like like what I mean is like technically speaking you know adjusting a pedal so that the artist you know that you're supporting it works for like Aaron Spears or you know, making sure everything is lined up. Of course, everything is memory locked and stuff now, but I've, 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 I've never had, I've only had a tech a couple times, um, but I've never had, like I've worked with when we're supporting a band, you know, we've, I've had time to chat with their, the drum tech and they're full on measuring tape, like memory locks, like the snare has to be perfect. She, this one girl drum tech I I was um, talking to had to like literally sand down the drummers um with sandpaper sand his drumsticks yeah <laughs> and like literally she's like if it's off like an eighth of an inch if his snare is off an eighth of an inch he'll know and make me fix it and i'm just like no way <laughs> that's crazy. i'm like i don't even set my drums up like that well, the drummers are so picky that's man. The of the man. like we have so many instruments like guitar players you have a guitar with strings on it Drummers, we have different the toms and snares and cymbals and stacks and sticks and effects. Like it's just so much. Like you have to be kind of I don't want to say it, but penal retentive when you're yeah. a drummer. I feel like most of us are. I know I know one drummer who didn't care at all. And he was yeah. awesome. But most every other drummer, we always tend to care. We you know, we care how it looks and how it sounds and how it feels. How is the relationship between the the drummer or the artist as a tech? You know, for me, I always thought, man, if I was on that big of a stage and I had a tech every night, I would try my best to be like, this is my homeboy right here. Like, I'm going to get you coffee. I'm going to do whatever you need. Like, I'm going to bring you coffee every day. I'm going to like get you what you need, make you feel like you're, you're the man. And I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, uh, I couldn't do it without you. You know what I mean? Is it, is that kind of how it is? Or is it like some of these guys are just like, yeah, whatever. You're my, you're my, you're my tech or whatever, you know? (laughs) I've been lucky. Like I got, I've, every drummer that I've gotten to work with has been just amazing. Um, and I do feel like there's some sort of an assistant aura about the position, you know, like if they want coffee and I kind of hear it, I've never had a drummer be like, Hey, 
I want this. I want coffee. I want it to be, mm-hmm. it's like nothing, no one's ever been that kind of crazy with it, but I'll offer it. Like, obviously they're working just as hard as I am, just two different schedules, you know? Um, yeah. And I, it was, I felt like it was my job to make whoever was on that stage just a little more happier, a little more better. Yeah. Like you don't have to be the perfect tech to even do that. You know, like we all make mistakes. I made so many mistakes on my first few tours mm-hmm. and you learn from that and you grow, but like you just kind of realize who you want to be for somebody else, you know, like, cause they're, they're my boss. I'm not getting paid by those drummers, but I'm getting paid by the artists they're getting paid for. And you just feel like this sense of camaraderie that kind of picks up. And so some drummer, te- some drummers that I work for, I'm still really good friends with some, I don't talk to anymore. Like it's mm-hmm. just the law of the land. It just kind of just, you go from gig to gig sometimes. And some people, somehow you get to work with again, because you know, you can't always decide what tours you go on and they always can't be like, I want my drum tech. They oh yeah. Pigeonholed with working with a certain production company. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's random. Every, I mean, every tour is different, how it always feels and, and, and how I react to it and stuff like that. Yeah. I got a question. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm just curious if about when you're tuning all those drums, I know there's all sorts of gizmos out there to help with uh, tuning really specific pitches and whatnot and tensions. Do you use gizmos or do you just go by ear and feel? I, I, the, my favorite trick of them all is the drum key. I've tried, I've tried the drum dial that, um, I've tried the crank one. Can't think mm-hmm. of the name of it. Tried that at NAM. Oh yeah. Um, where it tunes all of them at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're cool and they might work, but it's that, you know, the bigger things seem like it's another thing to carry around, which you don't always have that luxury. And then the small like drum dial weighted one thing, everyone just kept telling me those break all the time. You're just buying more of those all the time and you're relying on that one tool versus relying on the experience for me. And then if you're a new beginner for tuning your ear, you know, I've done just when I worked at center staging, I tuned so many kids for so many years, all day, every day that when I started, I didn't know how to tune. And when I left there four years later, I was, it just became natural. I knew how each drum would react to each type of drum head. So I got lucky with that experience. Oh, wow. uh, always been the drum key. Just have to be quick with the drum key. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, if you're good people, I, I know a lot of my friends do the two key method. Um, wow. But yeah, I usually have a time. I have a drill, you know, I just, you have to go for it. I, I was taught to, to tune quickly and efficiently instead of just kind of like tap tuning because everything I do is live. Studio tuning is a whole nother thing, um, which requires temperature and all that stuff and, and tap tuning for that. But drummers on tour, I just kind of throw them on and I know what they like and we work with that. And then once I'm set that it should be the same every night unless they ask me to change it, you know? Nice. Wow. Yeah. But love um, I praise the drum key and I don't have a tattoo of a drum key, but now I kind of want one. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um, so transitioning for you into, you know, now you're in the chair of you're the, you're the drummer, you're the, the artist as far as the drum chair goes. Um, and you're playing these, these, you know, equally big stages and stuff like that. I mean, what was, what was that like? Did you have, was it an adjustment for you? Like, you know, where somebody else is setting up your stuff or were you kind of still kind of like, no, nah, man, just give me the key. I'll do it. You know? <laughs> well, I actually started as a drummer. I started as a professional drummer as well. I was making money and I was touring um, uh-huh. for three or four years before I actually really just became a tech for, for quite some time. Um, 
So the hardest part about the transition was this was now my second time, but going in the opposite direction. Yeah. And I love the, you know, the, the big bonuses about being a tech is it pays more than being a drummer for me. And mm. it is mo- possibly just because I'm working for bigger artists as a tech than I am a drummer, but the tech gigs do last longer. Like I'm, I have better years when I'm more a tech than I am a drummer. Um, but kind of going back, I, I didn't really think that I would ever leave teching. So I do um, actively still do both to this day. Um, and I think it's more of just how I act around certain gigs. That was always the tough part because being a tech for so long, I kind of became aggressive and cause I had to dominate. I had to like help. I had to coordinate a group of other people pushing cases and all that stuff. And like, mm. I had to be in a sort of like, kind of stage manager mindset um, when it came to that gig. When I was a drummer, I didn't have to do a lot of that stuff. And But I felt like I still had to. I felt like I have to be there for load and I have to push cases. I have to do all this stuff. Oh, yeah. Because it was so natural to me. And that one day, I, a tour manager was like, stop, just stop. Like, you're doing too much. Like, you don't need to do that. You're getting paid to be a drummer. He's like, I know you're a tech, but you have to act like a drummer. And I was just, you're like, you're right. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a mindset how you have to approach both gigs. It's tough to, um, it was really just tough mentally for me to go back to being a drummer. Wow. We're trying to be a drummer full time. That's always something I, I always think about, you know, um, for me, my natural inclination would be like not thinking about, Hey, this guy is getting paid to do a job just like I am. You know, so I would be like, here, man, let me help you with that. Like, let me, let me take this Tom off when it's like, man, this is my job. And you know, you know where everything goes and how everything is set. And, you know, and I would just be getting in the way as, you know, as an artist, most likely. So it's something that I always think about where it's like, man, the better thing to do would just play or be play a role as a drummer and exactly. not as to try to help your tech, you know, it's, that's his job, but it's really, man, it's really interesting stuff, man. It's like, I, I always, I always get a kick out of like, you know, the idea of, especially for you playing both roles, you know, it's so cool to, to, to know both sides of the spectrum. Um, I have how about, about that? Yeah, that is, that's definitely an achievement in my life to do both, you know, yeah. succeed at both and still attempt to do both, you know, what's it like for you? Um, again, for me, the best moment of the show for me is, um, you know, obviously it's, it's playing, you know, maybe playing something that's in your mind that, you know, you've practiced and it comes out great, but the biggest kick I get is that moment of like, okay, it's go time. You know, if the band has a powwow or something and then lights go out and you walk on stage, um, what's, you know, especially playing big arenas and stuff like that. Um, what's it, what's, what is it for you that you just, you love so much about what you do as a drummer and, and maybe as a tech, like what's your moment of, Oh man, I love this. I live for this, you know? Ooh. So as far as being a tech though, that moment is honestly when the show's done and just standing in between two tour buses mm. in a parking lot. That's like my moment of Zen when we're all winding down, everyone's getting ready to go to bed. And it's like the only quiet part of the day that you've had. That's mm-hmm. like a really great, thing for being a tech i love that part of the day but for drumming um i really love the automatic uh, automatic gratitude from the audience the applause that obviously how could you not love that mm-hmm. and when i always talk to people who don't drum and ask if i do studio stuff 
and why I do only live stuff instead of studio stuff is because of that. You know, in a studio, you're playing to a producer and another dude just staring at you. And I've done a few of those things and I do love the studio, but all my work has been live. And I think it's just because of that instant gratification from the audience. How could you not love that? Um, yeah. And as far as bandmates though, like, cause when if the stages are bigger and you're 30 feet from the keyboardist, it's really hard to like be in it with him. It's just like not possible, but the random times that you actually do like make eye contact with another band member mm-hmm. on stage, that's like one of the best feelings I think for me playing. That's really cool, man. Really interesting. Um, cool. Hey, Phil, anything going on in the chat room? Uh, no questions so far. Okay, cool. We're going to... Uh, oh, my mom gonna... will watch. Come on. <laughs> ask some really good questions on there because I know she's my biggest fan. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, I'm going to transition into Wheel of Death. You got a few minutes to um, spin the wheel with us? Heck yeah. Okay. Episode 96, on the line with Tyler Zarzika, man. Really cool. Thanks again for coming on, man. This is really cool. Yeah really interesting for us um okay so spin number one here we go what's the best movie ever jurassic park <laughs> love it <laughs> not even a not even a moment of thinking just like yeah no that's what it is that's what it is <laughs> it's definitely not whiplash so- that's for sure. <laughs> Definitely not Whiplash. That movie gave me nightmares, man. Oh man! <laughs> if it was like, if it was me, I would have just socked that fool in the face and been like, you know what? You play it. I'm out. <laughs> but then he was—he's pretty intimidating, teacher. I would go to another school. That would just, yeah, easy out. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, Phil, what's your best movie ever? Oh man. I want to say Mrs. Doubtfire just because I know you hate that. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? That's funny. I love that movie. I can't stand Robin Williams, man. What? I know he's not alive anymore and I feel bad, but. Uh, stand up? I hate his stand up. That's why I, don't, I just wow. cannot stand. Okay. I think he's not funny at all. He does have moments where I don't laugh and I know it's a big joke. I get yeah. I understand where you're coming from. He says some funny, funny stuff, I think. He, he gets up. But I think if I had favorite, to, if I had to say I'd first, the one that popped in my head, just Blade Runner. I don't know why. The new one? Really? No, the old one. Yeah, Blade Runner. With the with like the stripes and stuff in their hair. What? Never mind. I don't know. What I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I think my best movie ever. I don't. Man, this is hard to say ever because I have a lot of movies where I'm like, that's just like the best movie ever. Like. It is tough, yeah. Yeah, tough. Mike, I like cult classics. But, I, okay, probably my favorite movie ever, even now, is still probably Cloverfield. I know. But, dude, Lizzie Kaplan. Oh, she's so, she's so good. <laughs> I she's like so that good. movie a lot, too. I, you know, I when it first came out, it was something. It was cool. It was yeah. unique. I liked the approach of that story, and that was, like, my opening to J.J. Abrams. Or was yeah. J.J. Abrams, right? Yeah. Yeah, J.J. Abrams, yeah. Yeah. So I, li- I already liked J.J. Abrams from – um from lost, but I love these like post apocalyptic movies. And I thought that one was so realistic, even though it was like super, you know, alien invasion fake, but the way that it was done, I was like, I've never seen a movie like this. It's amazing. And it didn't have like, we defeated them at the end. It was like, it was so good. And like Lizzie Kaplan is, Oh, 
<laughs> I am married. I am married, but she's freaking good looking. She doesn't, dude. She doesn't watch the show. Yeah. No. <laughs> she, she probably she she yeah. I've never reached out. I've never. I'm, it's not like that. There's yes, a, a request for the dino question, dude. Who is this that keeps saying this? <laughs> it's not. This dude, it's not like, the same person every time. It's, I swear, it isn't. No, we seriously get one guy in the chat room yeah, every week. That's like dinosaur one. What, what can I say? Dinosaur it's a good, one. It's a yeah. good question. You could have a pet, yeah, the dinosaur that wouldn't wouldn't attack you, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a new rule now. Well. I feel like if we had that option, you could make them miniature like dogs, you know, you can make miniature dogs. So I would get a miniature T-Rex. Oh my gosh. That sounds like the coolest thing in the world. That's a first. I have them tattooed on my bicep too. I love (laughs) a miniature one. I don't know who's asking that question. That's a great question. Is it like cute or is it like still like super aggressive and it's an aggressive one. I'll take (sighs) off my shirt next time you guys have me. Yeah. I don't, I don't know you that well. I'm so sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm with you. I want a miniature. I think I want a miniature brontosaurus now. There you go. Yeah. And I like that we've added another layer to this. Now they're not aggressive and now we can like miniaturize them. Interesting. Wait, did you hear that there's no such thing as a brontosaurus? N- no, there's no such thing as a brontosaurus rex. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was brontosaurus. I could be wrong. <laughs> No, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Oh gosh, I'm Phil. still I'm still on Pteranodon. Pteranodon, full size. I want to ride my dinosaur and f- soar through the air, all majestic. Think about if you had a a a brontosaurus or a stegosaurus, but it's like the size of like a cat or like a pit bull. I still I still want to be able to fly. Oh, that would be so cool because you wouldn't have to feed it like a lot of plants. You could just give it like a salad, and he's totally fine with that. Yeah, but I'll just tell Dak Tech to go fly out to the ocean and go. Dak, Dak go, that's his name. Yeah, go fishing for yourself, Dak Dak. Oh, oh my god! Go find your food. Just don't eat Dak, any children. Don't eat any children or pets. Yeah. Oh my gosh! All right, hot collar. And I can have him go drop a drop a deuce on Corey's car. Dude, the fact that he's named Dak Dak now. <laughs> I'm, I think that should be part of the new merch. Dude. Dude. Oh, yes. <laughs> and that might be the name of this episode. Dak, Dak. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Dang, new merch. Yeah, Dak, Dak, dude. Um, Wait, let's all right, cool. Let's, let's get something else. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, this is a good one for you. Um, oh. This is your preference now. Clear or coated? Ah, great question. Great question. <laughs> I keep, of course, I'm assuming it depends on the gig or the setting. Gig, and I keep trying to go back to coated, but every time I do, clear comes like it's always calling my name. There's something about clear, and I don't know what it is. Except yeah. I'll be on a snare. I've tried it on a snare one time. Was not a fan of that. It was just its own thing, and it's cool. But I, it has to be a coated snare. But yeah, toms for sure. Clear. Wow. If I had to make a decision or a choice, one hundred percent clear. I'm I'm coated all the time, no matter what setting. Always coated. Yeah, that's cool. It's great. It's crazy. I love that you have your own thing. That's that's good that you know that. Some people have no clue. I've been thinking about it though. Like maybe I try clear, but I I always end up I'm the same as you, but opposite. Coated top, coated bottom? 
Uh, no, coated top, clear bottom. Mm. Yeah, yeah, same here. Coated okay. top. Yeah. And then Aquarian, right? Aquarian. Yeah. And Aquarian. Yeah. Okay. I was Evans guy, die hard for like yeah. most of my life, and I gotta know what was your? Why did you uh, switch? Um. So, uh, like I said, I was die hard. You could not convince me to move. And, um, I went to Aquarian for something. I don't remember what I, I think I had to, I wanted to get some of their, their, um, electronic practice pad drum things for this, this like pot, like this, um, corporate gig I had. And, um, I knew somebody there. He's like, just come and test them out. And then I met Chris Brady when I was there and he's like, why aren't you playing our heads? And I'm like, cause I play Evans. And he's like, have you tried our heads? And I'm like, yeah. And I wasn't impressed. Like they didn't last very long. He's like, what did you use? (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know. I bought one at guitar center and it, it failed in like, you know, a week. He's like, all right, what are your sizes? And he's like, what sound, what do you use right now? And I'm like, I use Evans G2s and I use this and that blah, blah, blah. He's like, all right, try these. He hands me a stack of like uh, uh, response twos or something. And he gave me a couple um, snares Mm -hmm. and I went to, I came home, went to my studio. I had an acrylic drum kit and I put the uh, response twos on the 16 inch floor tom. And didn't even tighten anything. I just tapped it with it on without the rim on. Mm-hmm. And it already had tone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dang. And I tuned it and I was like, okay, maybe I was wrong about the Aquarian thing. And so I put them on the rest of the drums and I was like, yeah, this is, um, I was wrong and I'm sorry. And I apologize. And I would like to see what else you guys can do. And mm-hmm. well, how do you, I mean, everyone loves the super kick too. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously, yeah. But I mean, what, what don't you like about, uh, emperors then coded amps? Um, yeah. So the G2s as well. I don't, I don't know. Like they're, I had, I had, um, emperors on my, on my kit came with emperors and they were on for like a year just cause I couldn't afford to buy new heads. And I, I just, it, I did I just don't like the tone. I don't like the, it, it's harder for me to tune. I'm not, I'm not a drum tech, so I don't, I don't know, but it's harder for me to tune. It's harder for me to get the tones that I want. It doesn't have a, enough um, warmth and low end, like deep, like kind of a, like, like on my 16 inch floor tom, it's borderline like kick drum, you know, like it's really, really low muffled. The many know, grips floor tom kind of thing. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I could, I could, you know, I obviously you could get that with a Remo. You could get that with yeah, any head. He, but, I mean, he uses the Emperor on his on that floor tom. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it was just, um, I liked the durability. I liked how rigid and like robust they're, they're made. They have tone on them. With, it doesn't sound like you're just hitting a piece of paper. Like when you just hold it up and tap it with your finger, mm-hmm. these actually had some bass to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, um, that's, that's sold me right there. Mm-hmm. So, and then I went to, um, I was talking about this, I think on this episode, Phil, I was talking about, um, uh, I use a super kick 10. Oh no, that was last week with Tosh, a super kick 10 coded on my kick drum with no, no, uh, pillow or anything in the the kick drum. And then I use a felt on the, um, uh, batters or the resonant side. So complicated. What's your head of choice. You, you play Remo. 
I played Remo, yeah. Um, nice. Love Remo. Played him for a long time. Um, but my head of choice, uh, I would say CS dot or CSX dot. Okay. Gold Sound X snare head. That one's That's my cool. favorite. Nice. A little more aggressive than just the control sound. I noticed that a lot of, I think every tech I know, like you, Sahir, um, what's his name from Q? Um, Jeremy? Jeremy, yeah. I think you guys all love Remo. And so that that probably says something about Remo. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I mean, and I'm sure Jeremy's teched with a drummer who has played Evans, you know, and I know Sahir has as well, but, uh, and I have too. I've had, use, I've had to work for a drummer who was Evans and, and uh, work for a drummer who was Aquarian. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just the, I think it just, if, if you can understand the emperor and how to manipulate it, you could do wonders with it. And I think yeah. something like making a kit sound the best it can out of the box, or even just like, if you really want to showcase it, I think emperor, or Remo can give that to that drum, but it takes some effort and some time to get into there. And I do know from just hearing from other, just younger drummers talk, Evans are easy. You just yeah. go and they're there. Even if you're not accurate by any means, it's going to sound good anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just found them to not last as long on the run. They pit easier. And once they do that, they're done. Where yeah. like, Remo's last like 10 years, you can have a Remo head on a drum. And even it's, when it's like, if you're using a coded, you know, even when it doesn't have any of the coding on and now it's like clear in the center. Yeah. That's kind of, it kind of sounds better sometimes. Kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, I did have one more question if that's cool, Phil. Um, uh, if so, it's kind of a, it's a double question. I've been, it's been, it's been thinking on, I've been thinking about it since before we hit the wheel of death, but one, what's like in your toolkit for like, like if you're okay, I'm starting with this band and I need to have this by me all the time, like drill to, to take off a head really quick or like obviously a key, like what's in your toolkit, you know, some moon gels or something like, what is it that you are like, okay, this is a must have for to make this kit sound good or any kit, any job I have. I have, well, I have two answers if that's okay. The, uh, the drummer answer for me would be, and I learned this from Aaron. He has it on his kit, the Vic Firth marching stick bag that lays flush with the floor Tom. Mm -hmm. Like it's not bulky. It holds maybe five pairs of sticks. Um, I only feel comfortable on a kit with that stick bag right there. Wow. Versus like anything else versus other, like the hard, like big first ones that are metal where you can put drumsticks at an angle or the big giant stick bags. I'll have a big stick bag, but then I'll load it up for that show. And like, there's something so satisfying about that. Like that's where I hang my pack. That's where my ears plug into. I almost feel like oh, when cool. I sit down on like my kit, I plug in to like start this like experience. It's, it's yeah. the weird thing. So I love that. But as a tech, and then maybe also as a drummer, I think gaff tape. Gaff tape really? all the time. I mean, you always have a drum key on you. It's on your keychain, or it's in your car, or something like that. And if it doesn't, just play <clears> drum. They'll, they'll, you got to make them sound good, you know. So, but um, I think gaff tape always saves the day. Whether it's a sliding kick drum, mm-hmm. or your pedal's not clamping to a bass drum hoop, or you want to tune the heads, you want to mute the cymbals like a little bit more, like, and you want to have a little beer koozie. Set it right next to you. Beer fits right into there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love gaff tape. And that dude just passed away who invented it. He passed away. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Crazy. That sucks. The inventor of Geff Tape. I cannot remember his name. I feel so wow. Bad. I love Geff Tape so much. Man, that's yeah. really cool. <laughs> um, that's a that's like a sol- solid advice too because I you know we've all used gaff tape a million times. It's like I've I've had to tape my my kick pedal to the floor. Like, hey, does anybody got any gaff tape? Boom, bunch of strips. Like, with the hi hat when the hi hat starts creeping, like yeah. the only way to stop it is to just a little bit of gaff. Let's yeah, it. it's there. It works for everything. That's really cool. Um, Hey man, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we really appreciate it. We definitely would love to have you on again. Um, you know, and chat more. I I have a million more questions that I would love to ask you. Um, I started doing what's that? I said, I'm available. (laughs) Yeah. Aren't we all? (laughs) Um, Okay. So we've been, so for people who want to get in touch with you or people want to see what you do, um, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, Instagram. I'm on Instagram all the time. Uh, my Instagram handle is at T Zarzika. Okay. Um, I always get questions on there. That's how I talk to a lot of my friends. So Instagram is the main thing. Very cool. We've been asking this question to, um, uh, uh, we just started asking this question to a lot of our listeners. So finish this sentence. Tyler Zarzika is blank. Ooh, tired. <laughs> Very interesting. I love it. All right, man. Well, we re- really, we really appreciate it, and um, we hope to talk to you soon, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate it. Oh yeah, Drum Brigade Podcast, episode 96. Uh, what a great interview, right, Phil? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just, I mean, splendid. top-notch. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> um uh okay, so moving on, man. Um uh yeah, so we're here. We got some other business to take care of, funky Phil. Um I, you know, before we went to the break, I was talking about my Zildjian's mm-hmm. um, and how much I love them. You know what, though, dude? I would sell all my vi- all my Zildjian's to jump to um, Minel in a heartbeat. <laughs> I want to play Minel so bad, dude. They're they just cool. have they they have the sound that I'm looking for, and they're great, man. They have that. You could go extreme trashy. You can go in the between. You could go extreme bright. They just they always have symbols that I like. Yeah, they've got it. Gosh, all. you see, Stan Stan switched over to Istanbul. Yeah, I don't get. I don't understand that. Why? Maybe I do. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I mean, I I I I favor those. I think those. I think they've got cooler symbols. I used to have an endorsement with Istanbul, and um. It was it was great, amazing symbols, but the worst AR rep I've ever like. Not the worst, but one of the worst. Mm. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I, it's been a long time. I hate to talk about that company because they were. It was like a year, twelve years ago. You know that they brought me on. I was going to start getting my symbols set up, but I had to do like a two month tour. And I couldn't get my symbols until after the two month tour. So I had cracked hi hats. They gave me the worst hi hats I've ever had. Like they gave me he- heavy metal hi hats to use. 
and I couldn't test any. It was like, I'm leaving next week on tour. So I need to get a replacement set of hi-hats. They gave me these like heavy metal, like think about using two bottom hi-hats for your hi-hats. And I hated them. And so I was like, I got back from tour and I was like, can we swap these out? He's like, uh, no, I can't swap. I can't resell those. He's like, uh, you can buy some new ones. And I was just like, what? Mm. Like, yeah, I'm done. I'm out. Like, I, I don't, this is not what I thought, you know, it sucks. Like, cause I could have had a, you know, dope setup right now, but it is what it, it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Bye. <laughs> Uh, and, and I'm not like a heavy jazz dude, but his setup looks like Stan's setup looks really nice. Um, it does looks very complimentary to what he was using, you know, for, with Zildjian. But, uh, I don't understand. I don't like, I mean, I've been a dude that like jumps around, you know, like I, like I've told the story about me switching drum companies and not playing spawn drums anymore and playing masters of maple. And I had good reason for it. So I don't question when anybody wants to make changes. It is what it is, but for me, man, um, yeah, I don't know much about Minol, but every time I see somebody playing Minols, I'm like, man, those cymbals sound good. That's the sound that I'm like trying to go for, you know? Yeah. They make good cymbals. Um, and, uh, I, when we went to their room at Nam last year or this year, I was like, okay, different than what I thought in person. But like Madden, Madden and class just did a, a review. Um, I mean a review, just did a video for Minel. And like I'm like, dude, her symbols sound amazing. They sound amazing. And yeah. so uh, you know, I feel like I can right now I got like a, a close okay, I'll give you an example. My K hybrid hi hats. It has a little tiny, like quarter of an inch, half of an inch crack on the top hi hat. And they're patinaed and they sound amazing yeah the exact sound that i want if i got brand new k hybrids they would not sound like that Mm -hmm. but minel makes their symbols sound like i don't know how they make their symbols sound like that but it's like i can probably find hi-hats that are close to what i'm playing right now yeah and so that's what i'm saying that's the difference is like i have a symbol setup that i like right now i feel like i'm still getting used to this this 18 inch special dry but I feel like it could be in the middle of like my K hybrid and that that's the real sound I'm looking for. And I feel like Minel has that sound that I just don't, I don't know anybody at Minel. I'm not touring. I don't think anybody's doing artist stuff right now, mm. you know? So I, I have a lot to offer, Phil. I'm <laughs> the president and CEO of, of drum brigade. <laughs> um, I'm the host of the drum brigade podcast. <laughs> I'm six foot four and tan. You're so tan. Yes, so tan. <laughs> Even in the dead of winter, I am very tan. <laughs> uh, very handsome. And, um, you know, I feel like I could, you know, I'm not the Orlando drummer or Mike Johnston, but I, I feel like that I'm a fantastic singer. No, yeah, teacher. Big time. <laughs> do I have the right Teacher. So I... <laughs> I feel like if I was Minel, I would give me an A-level, you know, artist thing, free, yeah. many as you want. Yeah. I would give me the Eric Moore deal. <laughs> okay? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> if I was Zildjian, I would do that too. 
Yeah, man. I'd, I'd give you everything for free. Yeah. I just, I don't understand why people just don't see it the way I see it. You know, I'm at the height of fashion. (laughs) So yeah. All right. Anyways, Phil, it's bound to happen. Let's get on it right now. I ain't trying to hear that right now. I have two. I'm going to go about with the most recent because one is pending still and I'm uh, too irritated to talk about it. So this one was my other gig this week. Played two gigs this week, Phil. I'm back, man. I'm back. Man. I'm back. Yeah, two gigs in one week. I'm a full-time working musician again. Dang. (laughs) Uh, Played a Schmucky Metals gig on Saturday. Yeah. Bro, this is not... It's not good. I don't like playing these gigs anymore, man. I stopped. (laughs) So matter of fact, dude. I I just I made a decision. I'm like, I'm not I'm not going back until I feel good about it. Yeah. I'm not like I tried and it it creeps me out. Like the people that are having weddings and parties don't take they're not taking it seriously. No. I don't want to be in that mix. Like this was the worst one. This was the worst one. Um, yeah, it's hard to say because the Orange County ones are horrible. Um, it's just, okay. Like when I was packing up my drums at the end of the night, I was just like, I was kind of bummed and I was just kind of like, just thinking to myself, like, man, I really don't like this. Like I'm not now. Don't get me wrong. I can't just quit my job because I don't like it. But when I leave the studio after a long day of teaching, man, I feel like I'm fulfilling my dream. You know, like I've wanted to start a business. I've wanted to do this. I wanted to put drummer gate on the Mac map. When I'm done podcasting, I'm like, we're doing something, you know, we don't have as many listeners as we'd like, but we're doing it. We're doing it on our terms. Uh, you know, and whenever I can play my drums, I feel great. I felt great about playing with the band, you know, and they're all my friends they are all great musicians and stuff, but it starts off with like, it's pouring down rain. Okay. And it it is like sloppy rainy and we're playing in Rancho Santa Fe or whatever. Like, and so it's, you know, we're playing on like a farm and it's just muddy and and it's like, so I'm already like, there's a hundred percent chance of rain on Saturday. So I'm, I'm texting the band leader like, Hey man, what's going on with this? Like, are we, you know, I'm not going to set up my, my drums in the rain. I'm just not going to do it. Mm-mm. And, and it's like the policy of the schmucky metals that we're not going to play in the rain. They're not going to make us play in the rain, but dude, I'm sure you've experienced it. These like, sometimes these wedding planners or these bridezillas are just kind of like, I don't care. You need to do it. We're paying you set up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I won't do it. I'm just not going to. Sorry. Unfortunately, that's not the way it works because you're not going to pay for my one off custom made freaking masters of maple drum set. That shouldn't even be outside in this weather. It should be in a studio somewhere where it doesn't even go outside. Yeah. Not to and mention like, it's it's pretty dangerous to be running high powered equipment. Electricity. Yeah. Rain. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, look, the policy is we have to at least set up and then, or we have to at least show up. If you don't show up, you don't get paid. So we have to show up. I'm like, I have no problem showing up. I have no problem playing. I just don't want to play or set up in the rain. Second, 
there's these dumb rules that these stupid people make that don't make any sense. Like the vendors can't park here. The vendors can't use this bathroom. The vendors can't, you can't eat. The vendors can't sit at this table. The vendors can't be seen. The vendors, this, the vent like enough with that. Does it really freaking matter? So they have us park, dude, you should see where they had us parking and where we were supposed to load in. Yeah. It was like, you guys have to park down by the the pool house, which is like a quarter of a mile down this dirt road. And it's like muddy and sloppy. And I'm driving around in a Mazda three, like loaded with drums. So I'm slipping and sliding down this freaking road to get to where they want us to load in. And then we have to load in through this tennis court, which is like blocked by bushes. And then we have to load up like 25, like cobblestone steps to the pool. When if we just parked by the garage and wheeled our carts in and, and we could have wheeled our carts in right to the, to the pool. I played this exact place before and that's what we did. But no, we don't want you guys pulling into the driveway. When there's all the chefs are part or the caterers are parked in the driveway and the wedding planner is parked in the driveway. So what the heck is the problem with the band parking in the driveway? It's a stupid rule that you made up. Thank goodness it's pouring down raining so I don't have to load my drums piece by piece up cobblestone stairs because you don't want us to easily load in. So they had to change the plan because it's pouring down rain. So now they have like a circus tent set up outside in, a, in the grass. They have like an eight by eight stage when we're supposed to set up a six or seven piece band on that. That's not big right. enough for my drums. Eight by eight? Yes. That's a drum riser. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So, so they're like, can you pull in and load in your drums or load in your equipment? So we're like, yeah, but I'm like, if it starts raining, there's water all over the place in here, like on the stage where the water was leaking in when it started raining. So I'm not going to like, if any water gets on my drum set, I'm flipping the heck out, you know? Yep. A drop, I'm pissed off. If a yeah. drop is on my drums, I'm pissed off. And I'm putting my stuff in, in its cases and I'm driving off into the sunset. <laughs> okay? So the, the, thankfully, the band leader is like with me. And he's like, look, like we just have to go through the motions of like, hey, if things, like we're going to set up, but if things go sideways, we're packing it up quicker than we've ever have and we're freaking folding this and we're going home. And so, so, okay, long story short, I go start, I pull my drums into the driveway to start setting up my stuff. And I'm like, you know, if things go sideways and I have to hike all the way down this quarter mile road in the mud to get my car, just so I can get my cases as it's dumping rain, it's going to be like a 30 minute process just to get my drums in the cases. I don't want to do that. And I can't leave my cases in this, in this tent there's not enough room. So I'm like, why don't we just pull our cars to the end of the driveway? You can't see it. Like it's pitch black out here. You can't even tell there's cars there. And so Kevin freebie is like, I'll ask her. I'm just going to ask her. And he's like kind of putting the thought of like, Hey, if it starts raining, we're done. We need a, we need quick access to our case cases. So she's like, well, I mean, it's like partly cloudy. It's not really raining. Like five seconds later, the heavens open up and it's just dumping rain. <laughs> and I'm just like, exactly. Partly cloudy, partly cloudy. You idiot. 
And so, um, anyways, we still went through with it. And so I'm like, she's like totally bothered. Like, well, what if the clients see your car? I'm like, what if the clients see our car? Who cares? They've never seen a car before. I mean, it's not like your car's offensive. Dude, they're walking from the house to a tent out, a tent, a circus tent mm-hmm. outside for their wedding. They're, and you're worried if they see my car. If they look to the right, they're going to see your car. <laughs> so you're worried about my car, like at the edge of the driveway that you can't even see. You can't, like, trust me, dude. When I say you can't even see, our, there's four cars in the driveway. We parked at the edge of the driveway. You could not see them. Yeah. No one is even walking over there. And they're just like, she's like, well, I mean, what if they call an Uber and they need to come in that way? Well, there's another entrance to the thing, like right there. Like it's not, it's, there is no pro. Why are you making this rule? There's no reason for it. That's weird. And, and so she's just like, well, I guess And I'm just like, uh, I don't, I don't understand this, dude. I don't, I don't get like this pettiness. They can't see a car. I'm like, we're parked next to a road. Like, <laughs> There's cars driving by every five seconds. They've never, are they afraid of cars? Like, what is the problem here? That's so weird. Okay, dude, it's just, these are the worst people, dude. These are the worst people. Every weekend, we play these stupid weddings. These are the worst people that you could work for. They're just, if you're having a wedding in the middle of a pandemic, and you're demanding that, that things are, you know, like you want caters and you want all these people there and you want a band and you want this party. I'm sorry, dude. You are like very self-centered and selfish, you know, and like you're, you're just you don't. And that's what kind of people these people were. They were out of their mind, hammered drunk, like <laughs> just complete garbage, dude. Just sloppy drunk, not one. I was the only person in the band and on the dance floor and in the whole place wearing a mask. Uh-huh. I kept my mask on the whole time. Yeah. I was the only person there. Literally, the only other people were like the, the photographers. Everybody else, no. Drunk, drunk. This is a doctor. This wedding, the groom is a doctor. Mm. I'm the only guy there with a mask on. That's crazy. And dude, they are, they are, the father of the bride is just the biggest moron up in everybody's face. He's hitting Andrea. He, he goes to some chick that's there says, are you a natural redhead? And then she's like, no. And then he's like, prove it. He goes, prove it. Whoa. Father of the bride. Just a complete, these are the trashiest scumbag people I've ever seen. What a piece of garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Hitting Andrea, like all up in her face, like just coming up to the band. Everybody's up in your grill. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm having anxiety so bad, dude. I'm in this tent with all these drunk people just spewing their stuff everywhere. And like, I'm just like, you know, man, like, I don't like this. That sounds terrible. I don't like this, man. I don't, I don't freaking like this. I, I just, I don't know, man. And every wedding I play, like it's like, there's some classy people that are like, you know, that are very friendly and classy. And it's like, these people are just, they have most, most of the time it's people like this. They have these outrageous demands. We can't see your car. You have to park in the mud down the hill and then carry your equipment one by one. It doesn't matter if it's raining. We want you to set up anyways. You know, it's just, 
these are the worst self-centered, trashiest people I've ever seen. And it includes the wedding planners. It includes, dude, I'm sorry if I'm being offensive. I'm sorry, but these people just, I just, man, it's, it's getting really hard for me to do these gigs. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you, man. I, I'm right with you. <laughs> yeah. Between, uh, just life schedule and, uh, and what's going on out there. I'm just, I'm just focusing on teaching and, yeah. and trying to, once the studio is done, I'm going to be doing a lot of recording and trying to work some other angles. You know, I feel like I'm in the same boat, man. I need to do, I need to do that kind of stuff more. And I, I you know, I, I, um, I said it before when this pandemic thing started that I want to do more with my band. You know, I want to do more cool gigs and I want to teach the rest of the time. And I don't want to have to play these gigs. I don't mind playing them every once in a while, but I don't want to be a wedding drummer. I don't want to be a casino drummer. I want to put, I want to be the drummer for shuffle and bang and for Western standard or, you know, whoever else. And I want to be the owner of drum brigade. And, yeah. um, so man, I'm putting that out in the universe right now. I'm with you. I'm with you right there. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to be <laughs> the, the guy that plays with schmucky metals and deals with wedding planners that don't care. It's the same thing, dude. I'm, I'm trying my best to play and be creative and do cool licks and nobody cares, dude. They're just play this like stupid offensive song, play uptown, you know? And it's like, it's literally when we played uptown, I was just like, I'm rolling my eyes. Like, ugh, like just so irritated, <laughs> so irritated, dude. Uh, so yeah. Anyways, I ain't trying to hear that right now. I'm definitely not trying to hear that right now. I'm uh -uh. sick of it. No, <laughs> I am. I'm very appreciative of, of the job, you know, and, and the schmucky metals are like set up for people like us that like, this is supposed to be your side thing. You're supposed to do this while you're being, this, this is supposed to be a job that allows you to be creative on your own time, but make you some money, yeah. you know, on the weekends or whatever. Yeah. Um, th this isn't supposed to be your main thing. And, um, I feel like I need to keep, put it in perspective and work really hard to somehow get to do what I want, you know? And yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm tired of, I'm tired of those same people. You're going to always have to deal with people, you know, like when I was doing flooring, I would have to deal with the same people. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, when I play at Eddie V's, you're dealing with the same people, but, um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just, it bums me out. Like this isn't, I know I'm playing my drums and I have drumsticks in my hands and I'm really proud and happy that I'm able to do that. But this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be doing what I did on Thursday night, playing with my band and really doing something cool. And it was awesome. Uh, I feel like I'm supposed to be, I feel like I'm supposed to be creative and making stuff and, you know, doing stuff, you know, recording cool ideas and playing with my band Tigros and stuff like that, you know, creating other kind of, stuff but playing uptown funk is not what i'm supposed to be doing not what i'm supposed to be doing dealing with people who don't care whether i live or die or whether my equipment gets ruined or not you as know? long as they get to hear uptown funk yeah it's just sorry i'm i'm grateful that they want to hear live music and they're stoked on us but i'm just not i just i can't deal with dumbo people anymore we can't see your car 
You got no. You you got to park down the driveway. You have to be unseen. Get over yourself, you dumb idiot. <laughs> Gosh, I ain't again, trying to, I have hear to hit that, that again. Right now. All right, Funky Phil. Well, the thing is, dude, you're a legend. Um, I did have it this one time, but we're running out of time, man. We already have a two and a half hour show, so we're almost close to about a two hour show if we have that interview. Oh yeah. Um, so let's have this one time next time. Sounds good. Um, and another soapbox next time. Uh, great show. Great show. Great show. You know, all that stuff. Um, if you guys, uh, want any other information about me or funky Phil or my new album, (laughs) uh, just go to drum brigade or you can just go to, um, CoreyKingston.com, philpardell.com. Special thanks to Tyler if, you know, if, if his interview ends up happening. <laughs> We're hoping that he's scheduled, so it should it should happen. He's just scheduled on Thursday, not today. So thanks to him for coming on and um, chatting it with, chatting up with us, chatting it up with us. And um, yeah, so uh, this is 96, episode 96. And it's been a wonderful time chatting with you, Funky Phil. It's been a pleasure, Corey. It's been a full-on pleasure. <laughs> All right, guys. DrumBrigade.com. Drum Brigade Podcast, episode 96. Thank you guys for listening and hanging out with us today. Oh, yeah. You might as well, you know, have a ponytail. Thanks for listening to the Drum Brigade podcast. This podcast was recorded in the Beat Locker at Pimp City in Oceanside, California. This podcast was produced by Funky Phil Pardell, and all drops and original music are by Corey Kingston. The Drum Brigade theme song is I Don't Like Your Music by The Busters. For more episodes, please visit drumbrigade.com and hit up our archives to hear some great interviews with Thomas Lang, Daniel Glass, Stan Bicknell, Tosh the Drummer, Kurt Buscara, Mike Dawson, and many, many more. For all other things, or to get in touch, please visit drumbrigade.com. Oh yeah, one more thing. Like and subscribe.